All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I Got Ask podcast. My name is Daryl Oliveira. I am the host of this program. Uh, returning listeners, thank you so much. I love and appreciate uh, all you guys, anyone who's been listening to this thing on a regular basis and sharing it and hitting like buttons. I mean, it's just awesome fuel for continuing to do the show. So thank you so much and uh, keep up, keep that up, please, and keep giving me a reason to do this thing. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, this is a show where I speak to people who I think are doing something cool or interesting or different, uh, not only musicians, but lately it seems to be heading more in that direction than not. Um, and today's episode is also in that same vein. I speak with my good friend, Justin DeGraff. Justin is a Southern Ontario native turned, I'll put this in air quotes, hired guy bass player uh, living and working in Nashville for some of the music industry's uh, up and coming artists, as well as some some pretty big name acts, to be honest with you. Uh, he's currently the band Seaforth, but COVID has kind of put a temporary halt to that band's plans of um, touring their new music with Justin in tow. So uh, they're kind of stuck in a holding pattern right now, but they have some some new music out now. Um, they're a great band, kind of like a pop, pop country kind of thing. Uh, if you're into that sort of thing, give, check them out. Uh, Justin's story is of significant interest to me because he did something that I really wanted to do when I was younger. He turned his passion for playing music into a real career. Uh, in his younger days, prior to moving to Nashville, Justin formed and played in pop punk bands in Burlington, notably a band by the name of the Goodbye Celebration. But then he also joined uh, a band by the name of Somehow Hollow, which if you're a returning listener, you've heard of once or twice on this show in the past. So, um, but this is not a somehow hollow podcast. Justin does tell, um, his story about his time with that band and spending time with them on their last tour before the band actually broke up. But Justin's story is actually a lot bigger than that. Um, other than playing in local, in the local punk scene, uh, which he told that side of the story very well, but he also told all of the struggles along the way of getting to Nashville and being in the position he's in now and, uh, what he's up to these days. So, I'm not going to do the story any justice, obviously, in the intro. I'm just going to get right into it and let Justin tell you guys all about his journey and, like I said, what he's up to these days, all right? So without further ado, here's my conversation with Justin DeGraff. <laughs> all right, Justin DeGraff, man, how you doing? I'm great, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here, man. This is like uh, it's a long time coming. I've been I've been a little nervous. I was I, honestly I was a little nervous to reach out to you because I never know who wants to. I, don't know I, I never know who wants to be on mic. You know what I mean? That's the weird thing. But honestly, I never am. I'm just the bass player, so no one ever <laughs> wants to hear from me. So uh, I'm usually it's totally fine. <laughs> um, for the uh, for the party people listening at home here, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell everybody who you are, where you're at now, and where you're from, and all that kind of nice stuff. Oh, yeah. So my name is uh, Justin DeGraff. I grew up in Burlington, Ontario, uh, back in Canada. And I've played music since um, I was 15, basically. And now I I do it full-time here in Nashville. And um, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It, it hasn't been the last year, but, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. usually pretty awesome. COVID's pretty much knocked the shit out of that industry down there. Yeah, right? quite a bit. As well as worse in Canada right now, I heard. Like, it's not pleasant here. That's for that's for sure. I mean, you're like, back in, you're back. Where are you from? You're. From, I'm from you're, Cambridge, so not like, far from yeah, where you grew up. Yeah, for sure. Well, all Ontario went back into lockdown, right? Yeah, we're back into another 30 day lockdown. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to a lot of people or how they've structured it this time. But over Easter, that sucks. My parents were so lonely. I yeah. Felt them, yeah. Do you have siblings up this, up this way? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I have a sister, younger sister, who's married with the kids now, which is great. And then 
I have an older brother and an older sister from my dad's previous marriage. Okay. Okay. So you've got, I mean, they've got family of this way. At least they've got somebody to keep them company with you being stuck down there kind of. Oh, yeah. I like being away and I still talk to everybody and I kind of have always been used to just like doing my own thing, you know? Yeah. I still talk to everybody. And Zoom makes it pretty easy now, right? Like now that you can see people, like. I honestly hate Zoom. Do you really? I don't I don't like I do it when I have to like even like everyone's writing music over Zoom. And, yeah, I just I don't I don't like it. No, me neither. And I've brought a lot of people do though. A lot of people oh. do it, and their workflow is is like tremendous. You know, like you can just nail out twenty writes without even leaving your bedroom in a day, which is amazing. I just I don't know. I just never got into it. I haven't written in like about a year or so. Anyways. Yeah, well, that's the same with me, man. I don't like all that over the internet writing you know what i mean in any way whether it's like sending and i like i said i've talked i sound like a broken record now because i talk about this on every fucking episode but you know i hate that like hey send me here's a song that i wrote write some stuff and put it over top and then send it back like i don't i hate working like that man i'm not a songwriter as it is and like that makes it even harder for me you know well i do that with i record a lot of bass tracks for artists yeah basically i'm given a song and they're like just do what you want on it i'm like cool usually they want revisions but you know yeah, yeah but, but you're used to that though you're a musician like yeah. you you've been I'm down there that. making a career right like it's yeah. that's part i think of your writing thing. i think writing an actual like song with someone is different yeah other than just hearing a bass line and just playing it over an already written song yeah it's, that's kind of easier like uh you're gonna have the vocals in place and you just put yourself in the gaps kind of thing mm-hmm. so kind of easier that way i feel but yeah other than that it, hmm. it works you know i how have you uh how have you been making out with the uh with covid down there in nashville has it been been a struggle i mean so like, obviously the industry is in not in great shape but what about yourself like have you guys avoided getting sick at all or so what's funny is literally everyone i know has had covid really kept me i really? never got it. um my girlfriend at the time now fiance she was the first basically out of all of her friends to get it wow um it actually so about last March, I think it was, uh, we got hit with a really bad tornado. Yeah. And it was, I've never seen anything really like it. It was, it like just rocked Nashville. Anyways, um, so I was at my girlfriend's house then. And uh, and then like two days later, I was leaving for an Australian tour. My first time in Australia, I was super pumped. And then a day earlier, basically, and I got the news that it was canceled because of, of COVID. So I was like, oh, my God, that sucks. I'm, I was so stoked to go to Australia, uh, be one of the bands I play in and who I was touring with is Australian. So um, it would have just been a, an amazing experience. Like sure. Australia for the first time with people who are from there, you can show you around. Yeah. Which would have been great. But anyways, um, that kind of got canceled. And then everything after that just crumbled. Literally, it was actually insane. I had a whole year just like like lots of work and went to nothing. Yeah. So it's been so, wild. So you're... Your now fiance, girlfriend at the time, caught yeah. it, but you didn't catch it. Yeah. So um, at the beginning, we were all quarantined. So this was like we were together for a little while, and then everyone was had to be quarantined, mandatory quarantine. So at the time, I was living in this like little like rinky dink shitty place, and uh, and her house is nice, you know. And we were also <laughs> new, you yeah. know, and uh, it was good. And I I lived with her for for an extended period of time because yeah. like no one really knew how long this was going to last for. Right. So, um. Living with her was like, it like added a whole year to our relationship. So that's oh, why course, we're, yeah. we're like engaged now and not living together. However, we're trying to move in in August. And uh, so it's, it's weird being engaged, not living together. Yeah. But I feel like 
just because of COVID. Sure. It, it worked that way. But other than that, um, it's been good. Uh, it's given me, you know what it's right when COVID happened, uh, obviously I knew I was out of work. Um, so I was, I promised myself that I would not like just waste all my days and rot away. Yeah, you know, I was, yeah. I've never really had a chance. I've never really, I never have weekends off ever. You know, right. like I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Literally, I'm always gone and I always have been gone for years, you know? So, um, having weekends off, I'm like, it's just going to be horrible for my mental health. So anyways, I, it gave me a chance to like actually try doing other things uh, in which I found Shopify and I started making all these like the e-commerce businesses. Oh, nice. Um, and then I sold them, you know, and, uh, and that's kind of how I've been living. Nice. I'm not allowed working here. I'm only allowed, I'm allowed making money off of my employer, uh, which is Seaforth and Sony. Um, so technically I'm on a visa with them. Right. Yeah. So I'm not allowed making any money any other way. Right. Legally. Right. 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 I'm like, that's on paper. Yeah. Um, but, I feel like, but I feel like everything on the internet is just like, it's the internet. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's fair game. So Especially yeah. So, yeah. So that's been actually good. That was my saving grace. I think also having Caroline uh, was amazing. Uh, and then I got a dog Jagger. He's yeah. He's, yeah. He's uh, it's been, it's been a weird year, but it's been a good year. <laughs> yeah. It seems like, it changed a lot of things, but it didn't really slow all the all the people that are motivated to do things. It didn't really slow them down. They just had to alter what they were doing, right? Yeah, like I know people who you know they just like watch Netflix all day and play video games all day. And that's if that's how you want to live your life, that's that's one hundred percent fine. Yeah. I just promised myself that I wouldn't do that. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna try to like now that I'm given the chance to try anything else to make money, which you know, like I love music. But at the end of the day, it doesn't like it's, mm-hmm. I'm not rich, you know. No, yeah, you know, which is fine. I like like as long as you can make a living, though. You know what I mean? That's the that's, that's the thing. That's all I've ever wanted since yeah. I was 16. It's like as long as I'm comfortable, I'm not like mooching off people and like struggling to get by. And I, I think for myself, and I always have, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll, you get help every now and then, yeah. When you need it, but this industry is just it's crazy that way, you know. Oh, so for sure, it's been great the last. I'd say six years where it was like, I haven't really had another job ever since. It's like, it's just been music straight up. So, which that's is awesome. Super awesome. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's like a goal forever. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, yes. So how did, how did she make out with like health wise? Like after she caught, um, so yeah, so, so after quarantine, I moved back to my, or actually I moved into a new place where I'm right now. Yeah. And, uh, and then Caroline got it one day. She actually, um, had her wisdom teeth pulled and, was under the impression it was like dry socket, like infection yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and she had a fever and went to the hospital or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I have COVID. And that was like, at that time, no one had COVID. And we're like, oh, like no one knew anyone with COVID. No. You know? And so uh, that was pretty alarming. Um, she was like locked away in her house. Like if she left her room, she was wearing like, uh, like gloves and like sanitizer everywhere. Anyways, um, I never got it. Thanks. But like neither did her roommate, which is really weird. Yeah. And then like, and then it just started like trickling around and literally ever like out, all my friends had it. That's you know? wild. Um, I got, I've been tested, I'd say four times. We got vaccined actually uh, two weeks ago. Oh, you did? So nice. Good. She ended up getting it. I didn't know if I was going to be able to because I'm Canadian. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't even look at my ID. They just like. They just want to get it people was, vaccinated. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. yeah. Well, it makes then, sense. Uh, the more people that get vaccinated down there, the less it's going to spread, hopefully, right? Yeah, but, yeah. 
I'm hoping, man. I was kind of reluctant to get it, but uh, yeah, you know, everyone's got it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm diabetic. <laughs> I would love to get one, but up here we're really slow with the vaccines, right? Like we're we're not yeah. anywhere near the states. Like to hear somebody like as young as you getting it already is amazing. You know, then our second one is next week, so so yeah. it's like awesome. Then you're done, and then you're safe. Yeah. So hopefully, <laughs> I don't know, but uh. Yeah. I played a gig in Florida last week and it made me, I felt a lot more safe. Yeah. Yeah. To, oh yeah. I had at least half the vaccine. Cause it was like literally I didn't see a single mask. Yeah. 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 Cause I know a guy that just recently had it and he had already been vaccinated his first shot. But, oh, wow. but I think the idea was even if you do catch it, like you can still be a carrier. They know that if you get a vac, if you get the vaccine, but he got zero symptoms. Like there was nothing. So. Yeah. Um, I've had a few friends like that. Carolyn was okay. Um, yeah. My one buddy, Mitch, he kind of got it pretty bad. Mm. Um, not like horrible, um, but he was sick. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, like kind of like a cold or flu kind of thing? Apparently you feel like death. So That's what I'm everyone's glad. saying. The people that do get symptoms say they feel like shit, but I don't know. Luckily, knock on wood, I don't anyone that's had it that's had the, the real serious you know, effects yeah. where they're in the hospital and stuff. So, mm. you know, I, I, I know people on Facebook who have definitely had that. So yeah. like, I I've seen their pictures on Facebook and mm-hmm. I feel broke you now. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, it's a, it's a crazy time. Um, I hope that it's, it's over. Yeah. Pretty yeah. good. It's over. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, time will tell, but I mean, like I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll be moved out of, you know, away from this and it may not be till, I mean, up here, who knows how long, but down in the yeah. States, I hope things start to get a bit better. Cause as they get better down there, I'm sure we'll, we'll trail. Cause we are behind a little bit up here, you know, from where the States yeah. is right now. So, what For about sure. that snowstorm you had down there recently? Um, but yeah, no, uh, it was a horrible snowstorm. I haven't seen anything like that here. There's apparently, uh, Carolyn is actually uh, like born here, which is which is cool. Mm-hmm. You, don't meet, you don't really meet many people that are actually from Nashville here. Um, and she said that they've had like maybe one storm like this in the last like ten years, and but it was like really it was ice at first, like, like yeah, it was literally all ice. It was like literally inches just thick of just ice alone and then the snow came so it was like everyone was trapped inside for like at least a week yeah did you, i'm used to snow and it was a lot that's what i was gonna say so like you being used to snow but they don't get that kind of stuff ever so how no. do they did you guys have power outages and stuff did they like that like texas did a lot of nashville did uh we were fine here but um it was wild man like i'm very used to driving in snow and being in snow and i didn't move my car for a week I literally couldn't. It was it was yeah. stuck and it was dead because of how cold it was. Battery. Really? So um yeah. So how like how much cold did it get than it normally would? Like what's like what's the coldest it would get there normally? It was like a Canadian day. Canadian week, I would say. Like it was and then it just got really warm. So I was really worried about flooding. A yeah. lot of places it was flooded. Yeah. Like, I sure. Texas were like they were on TikTok. It was like literally oh, yeah. every single video of like people's houses falling in looked horrible but yeah it was definitely uh it's very to people from here it's very shocking like yeah. oh, no one has a snow plow you know no, like no. no no one has wintered tires here you know so like usually if there's a little if there's a brisk little dusting mm-hmm. uh, people are off the streets so mm-hmm. yeah no for sure and yeah. then it's probably melted within a day anyway or something and it's yeah. nothing but like to have a storm like that and like i couldn't imagine how much <coughs> that much has shut everything down you know the entire oh, city it's crazy weather here, man. Like I, I never really, I always knew that like hurricanes and tornadoes and stuff came here, but it's, uh, 
I've seen some pretty crazy shit here. Oh, I believe so. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Um, so your story is is amazing to me because, like I said, we were talking a little bit before the show here. That is, you're sort of you're doing what I always wanted to do as a kid and never could figure out how to do it because yeah. I'm not a songwriter per se. Like I don't, like I can write little bits and pieces, but I'm not a like I don't sit down and write a full song, right? But I can yeah. learn and play almost anything as long as it's like rhythm based, right? Like I'm not a, a real super lead player, but mm. I never could make that transition. How did you end up coming from Burlington all the way to Nashville to doing what you're doing now? If, can you explain that whole, like, and, and take as yeah. long as you need to, but explain it to me and, and, and give me the sort of rundown on how you decided to do this and how you ended up down there and, and how you get gigs now, all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I want to know it all. Yeah. So it's going to be a while. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I guess I'll start um, like when I was young. So I I never really had a genre. I just liked music, you know. Um, I didn't really grow up in a very musical family. Uh, I just like I loved rap. I loved like Shania Twain. I loved Johnny Cash. I loved I loved like like Marilyn Manson. I got mm-hmm. like I got grounded when I was in like grade eight for listening to Marilyn Manson. You know, like <laughs> um, I just had all these like like all these weird random. I just like anything. Yeah, and I'm still kind of like that, which is. I'm very I'm glad about that. Mm-hmm. But um, anyways, I got into high school into grade nine. I was kind of like a little rapper guy. I just loved, I loved rap. Um, I still do love rap, but uh, old rap. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I met this guy uh, and he played guitar and uh, and he played the song in Everlast, what it's like, mm-hmm. you know, on acoustic. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I love that song. Um, so when I saw that, I was like, like, oh my God. Like you can play that? Like I had no idea that it was like a thing. I just never ever like it never clicked, you know? So I was like, I need to learn like like immediately. And he taught me how to play. That's when I got really into Blink 182. Uh, I loved Blink, I was like obsessed with Blink 182. Um the new Blink 182, but I loved the old Blink 182. Yep, yep. Anyway, uh he taught me how to play basically Blink 182 songs in our music school, our music class mm-hmm. at a session in Burlington. Um and honestly, like I was 16 or like right when that happened, I was like, this, this is nothing else I want to do. Like I literally knew from that moment in time that that was at least what I wanted to do and didn't know I was actually going to do it. But, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember like all through high school, we were in a band, uh, our high school band was called No Word of a Lie. I have it tattooed on my hip. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> N-W-O-A-L with like a music <laughs> up in flames. It's horrible. But it's like, <laughs> Anyway, so um, we were always, we were just always like a band trying to be like Blink One Eight Two, like pop punk stuff. You know? Like yeah. we just lived at the time, like like all those jokes were hilarious, and it was very new. Yeah, you know, like, you can't talk like that anymore. You know, like nowadays. No. But um, anyways, I um, so I went all through high school uh, with that band. Uh, we ended up getting um, like a recording deal, not like like a record deal but a recording deal to a studio in Mississauga. It was like 10 grand we, we were given to record at uh, phase one studios, mm-hmm. which unfortunately it's like thousand dollars an hour, meaning we didn't even like, like didn't come close to finishing. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, um, so that band broke up at the end of high school and then I made uh, my band, the goodbye celebration. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Um, the Goodbye Celebration had two parts. I made it kind of, or actually I joined it and then we changed the name and like rebranded it uh, probably when I was 
18, I would maybe even younger, uh, maybe like around that age. So 18, we had a, a different uh, vocalist, which was cool. Uh, that was kind of like my baby. And then I remember I saw on like this message board how a band called Seminole Hollow was looking for a bass player. Uh, and at this point, I was a giant Grade fan. Like I loved Grade. I tell people this now, and no one has any idea who Grade is. And it blows my mind. I know. You know, like I hate it. Um, like they were like to me, they were like the top of the chain. You know, um, I, I like some screamo. I like some like I like again. I liked everything. Right. Yeah. So so at that point, uh, I was in my band, the Goodbye Celebration, and it wasn't really doing anything. All I really wanted to do was tour. I just wanted to get away and tour. Yeah. That was really like, like my only goal in life was go on tour and have fun. Mm -hmm. So, um, so at that point I reached out, um, just for like an option in life, you know, like, like I was content with what I was doing, but I was like, let's just take a shot in the dark. So I messaged them and, um, I heard back and it was, I'm pretty sure it was Mike that I heard back from. Um, and then I was asked to go to a rehearsal and I'm not going to lie, man. I wasn't good. I wasn't ready. I wasn't like, I wasn't like, I wasn't ready to step into a room with those guys. Mm-hmm. Those guys seasoned, they were way older than me. They were all in gray touring for years, covered in tattoos. Like they were road dogs, you know? Yeah. And I was, I was this little like wannabe, you know, like super young, didn't know anything. I thought I knew everything, yeah. you know? I really love how they were all older and they obviously knew way more than me because I shut my mouth and I just like, I just went along with it. So anyways, um, I feel like at first I didn't get the gig. Um, the guys, other guys didn't want me or think I was right. Cause I wasn't like, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. I, I'll be the first to admit. And I remember Mike, he saw something and he literally tr- like trained me in his bedroom, like how to play every single song, no for note on the bass. Um, we both had our Ernie balls and uh, we just like clicked but it was more so just, I don't know what it was. Like I didn't deserve the gig. I don't think. Yeah. Like, like I wouldn't have taken, like, if I was looking like now for a bass player, I wouldn't have taken me. Cause I wasn't really, ready. I, I like, I don't remember much about that, but I, I know say that you're I'm, probably being too hard on yourself, but you know, well, I know Mike had to like, like actually like teach me the songs. And, um, at that point I didn't learn stuff by ear and I didn't know that you could, you know? So, um, like I know something is way off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, I didn't know. Anyway, so Mike taught me and I actually got in the band and I was like, this is awesome. And it was, it was when the band was out with Taking Back Sunday. So and at the time I loved Taking Back yeah, Sunday. Yeah, that's wild. So that was amazing. So like basically all I just wanted to go, I wanted to be on tour, you know? So I knew that it wasn't great. I hated how the record, like it was in stores, but it said X grade, you know? So everyone who bought the record thought it was going to be a Screamo record. Which which is not ideal, and I no. and like they were on Victory Records. Victory Records was like my like dream label. Like the Victory Records and Drive Through Records were like my all time, like the it was goals, you know. Oh yeah. So anyways, so I went out with Samo Hollow. Uh, actually, I left I left the Goodbye Celebration, and our one guitar player in there, Rob. Uh, he's he's one of my really good friends still. Mm-hmm. Um, I told him I'd be back, and I didn't really know what I meant then, but I told him I'd be back. Because I didn't know what I didn't know what Summer Hollow was. I didn't know yeah. how long it would last. I didn't know. I've never had a manager before. I've never had like I've never been on tour. I've never had a, a road manager like like a tour manager, like uh, 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 what's her name? Um, Devin. Sorry, I miss Devin. She's really cool. Mm-hmm. Anyways, 
So um, we were out on tour um, uh, playing our stuff and it was really good. I was just super stoked to be out on the road, man. Like I didn't care what was going on. I was just kind of like absorbing everything like as it was coming, you know, I didn't know what was like, what was going to happen, but right. I love to like, even though you're having a shit day, something is going to happen where it's like, that was a cool experience. You know, oh, like yeah. every day, like every day, I feel like something would just happen where it would just make you realize that like you're doing this and this is, this is awesome, you know? So that was really cool. So, uh, so we did the U S for a really long time. I think it was like a month and a half. We were out, which was my longest, my only tour, but it was like, like my, like it was a van tour. It was like, it yeah. wasn't luxurious at all. It was like, at the end of the day, it was, it was like, uh, the band's last like us tour. Yep. Yep. You know? So, um, so we were out there, we had some good shows. We also had terrifying shows. <laughs> I remember we had this one, we played in Chicago at this wicked venue, uh, the Metro. And I was obsessed with this band called, uh, for dire life's sake. Uh, they were like a hardcore band from Michigan. Uh, and we were playing with them and they were headlining. And I was like, this is the coolest thing. We're, we're fucking playing with like this yeah. band. And uh, it was like a metal show, just straight metal. And what's cool about the Metro is, is it is a huge balcony and the whole record label, Victory Records was up there watching us. Oh, that's awesome. It, you think so? I thought it was. <laughs> uh, and then I remember like, it was not our bill. We were, we didn't fit at all. We were like a, a punk band yeah yeah like a you know like and not a tough punk band you know like it yeah. was just like, anyways i'll never forget um people were chucking some pennies at us oh. uh screaming emo sucks and i was like wow this sucks <laughs> and i remember i did a bass swing and I, I didn't have a wireless and my like cord like wrapped all around my body and i was like stuck in this it was <laughs> so embarrassing but again you think you're so damn cool. yeah anyway um then right after that we went to europe we had our first europe tour which was again awesome for me because i've sure. never ever toured let alone toured america i mean uh europe which is really cool so that was like even more grassroots we did it with this band uh i forget the name uh stories and comments actually i, I just came back mm-hmm. anyways um we were out with them it was really fun it was you could tell that i guess like things were were not great i guess you know again i didn't really ask many questions um actually i should backtrack a little bit uh we on a lot of our u.s tour we did uh there was a band opening for a bunch of the shows and that's when i met um matt who was the singer of goodbye celebration so he was from michigan uh and we like i really liked his voice i thought he was really cool and his goal was to be on drive through records and that's been my goal forever too i mm-hmm. always loved drive through records that was like this that was like the top sure um like like you found glory like, like all those bands we just loved yep um so anyways uh he had ties with the owners richard and stephanie and uh and i was like well you know i have this i have a band back in canada like i left them obviously but i was wondering if you would like like move to canada and be our singer just not thinking this would ever happen and then that just never like happened or whatever. And he moved on. Um, we were in Europe on tour and I remember it was all going to shit. And I was like, I don't, it was my 19th birthday. And we were like, like stuck in this house in the middle of nowhere. And it was like so depressing. Yeah. And I'm like, this is like, not, this isn't going to last. I don't think. 
So I'll never forget. I made, it's probably so expensive. I made a phone call at this person's house to, to Matt in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And that must have been like a fortune thing to it now. <laughs> uh, and I, I didn't say anything, obviously, because, you know, whatever. Um, but I told him, I was like, you know, man, it looks like, like we're going to be breaking up, you know? And uh, that sucked, you know, because both of us liked the band. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was like, you know, it, like if you were ever interested, you can move to Canada and we can rejoin this band and try to get on drive through records. Again, not thinking that it would actually happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, so at the end of the Europe tour, uh, we actually broke up in Europe and I never saw like really anybody again since then. Wow. Other than Mike, yeah, um, yeah. Kent, uh, but like we no one really saw each other anymore. It kind of ended not awesome. Yeah. Which was sad. But again, I was like, I was an outsider, you know, like I was in the band, I was in like a couple pictures, you know, but like at the end of the day, if you Google the band now, like I'm, I'm not really in my, in much of it mm-hmm. i mean a bit you know uh, but i was at the end right, right. so uh, so anyways uh so that band broke up so i went home um not really like and this is also when like i dropped out of college because of semo holly you know like yeah i didn't want to go to college after high school i i was uh like i didn't want to go at all i was my dad literally dragged me to mohawk college and was like what do i gotta do to put my kid in school literally a week before the semester started and uh, I was like, well, I guess I'll do marketing because I would always market my bands on like MySpace and stuff. Not yeah. thinking that I would need to know economics and and like account. I don't know that. I just knew how to like do the internet stuff. Sure. So, anyways, uh, like a couple months into that, I I got the gig with Simon Hollow, and I asked my parents if I could leave school, and they're like, if you pass the first semester, you can leave and experiment with this whole touring thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. failed everything. I made a fake report card on Microsoft Word, Justin DeGraff <laughs> report card, and I, I swear to God, to, to this day, my parents know this now, by the time like I gave them a report card, and it was like, I passed everything. And then when we were on tour, so funny, uh, when we were on tour, Mohawk actually mailed my parents <laughs> the real report card, and they're like, you called me, and we're like, what is this? Like you said, you failed everything. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't know, all my teachers, the I was told I passed, like, yeah. it must be wrong. They believed it, which was hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, that was, like, like, like I left I left everything for it, which was I wanted to do anyways. That was just yeah. my excuse to do it. Sure. You know? But, like, after it broke up, coming home and being, like, you know, it, it didn't work out, like, you just don't want to hear I told you so ever, right? Especially for my dad. Like, my dad, I was, um, so I was a soccer player growing up. Uh, I played soccer forever. Um, my dad was... He played pro for, for some team in Holland and uh, he was really good. So uh, he moved over here. He tried making me a soccer player. Uh, and I, I was good. I was just really, I was fast. So that's why I excelled at soccer. Uh, and he tried getting me scouted and I said, no, I want to play music. And that's when like, I, I was like cut off of everything basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So not that like, like I had much, but, yeah. like I had a car, I had, I had stuff like health insurance and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like cut off basically on my own if I wasn't in school. Right, right. So, uh, so after the, the band broke up in Europe, uh, we came home, and I was kicked out. Uh, lots of shit happened, but like I was kicked. I wasn't a bad kid. Yeah. But like you know, we were little punks. You just yeah. got off the road tour, and band broke up, and now I'm, I'm like <laughs> 20 and 19, and like I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like at that time, you think you're invincible. You know. So, sure. Anyways, so I uh, I rejoined the goodbye celebration, uh, and then I brought. Uh, this guy named Matt along. 
So, so we went to pick him up in the States. He was from Michigan. Picked him up in the States just to see if it would work. Um, old ordeal there. But anyways, we ended up getting him back. And he ended up moving to Canada. And uh, I was kicked out of my house. I was living at my guitar player Rob's house. Um, it was great. Well, not great. Uh, his, his mother lost her husband. And, uh, and uh, Matt and I kind of moved in there. Uh, to like kind of help with everything sure. and family. Um, she called us her guardian angels and that's like, uh, we would hang out with her all the time. And like, it was really nice. She's like, my yeah. second mom. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I love her. I, I, to this day, I like, I think she's amazing. So, um, what was great is like, now we're all living together, you know, and now we can practice every day. We can get super tight. And Matt has this relationship with drive-thru records, which is what all of us wanted. Like we were yeah. a pop punk at the end of the day. So um, I remember we would just record EP after EP after EP. And then we'd message Richard, the owner of drive-thru and he'd be in like Chicago and we'll be like, okay, I'll be at this hotel this day. So we would drive to Chicago, meet him at the hotel, play the record for him. Not good enough. We'd go home all disappointed, write a whole new batch of songs. This happened like four or five times, like in all different places of the States. Then this one time we brought him an EP um, and he's like, he's like, uh, guys, you finally did it. He's like, he's like, this is, this is what we want. The only problem is we're now going bankrupt. And that was when, <laughs> when drive through was in a really horrible deal with MCA records and Geffen bought them out and Geffen absorbed other big artists like Newfound Glory. Um, not many bands like, uh, uh, what's it called uh finch like census failing oh, yeah. like you know yeah, yeah yeah anyways like everyone else basically broke up so everyone else basically broke up and now our hopes and dreams were have been crushed uh he was always a big help to us though um which was great we were always like it was i remember the message boards we were always rumored to be the next drive through records band and that to me was like the coolest thing in the world that is the coolest yeah. thing in the world it was awesome you know and i would read the message board like absolute uh, absolute punk.net remember that website yeah yeah. i, I would go on it all the time and that yeah. was just like you teach you all about all, like all the news of like like all the bands that you love anyways we were on that a bunch which was really cool anyways um so that band broke up probably after six years which was horrible horrible breakup hmm. um like band of brothers kind of thing and it just kind of went to shit uh really badly um which is really sad that was hard for me because that was like my baby yeah. um that was when we really wrote uh, a lot of like lots of cool music. Well, you put listening tons of back. work into it too, right? It sounds like you guys were working on your ass. Well, listening, listen, yeah, it was full time. Like, or at least we tried. Like, I've had so many jobs, and I would just like walk out if we had a tour. Be like, okay, bye. You know, like I didn't give a shit. I was just wanting to go on tour. You know, sure. and while you're home, you make as much money as you can. You know, and try to like have like uh, gas money to get to rehearsal or something. You know, yeah, like well, yeah. whatever it would be. Yeah. Anyways, well, it's that band broke up. Then I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, my dad opened a restaurant in Burlington just because he was bored, basically, because his job was uh, was going like well at the time, which was, mm-hmm. which is great. And he was he was bored, so uh, he was like, "Why don't we open up a restaurant? You can work there." Uh, my sister uh, worked there. We hired all of our friends, so we opened up a, a Cora's Breakfast in Burlington. Oh, nice! I miss Cora's. I love Cora's. Yeah, it was an awesome place. Um, you know, uh, for the most part. Yeah. But, um, so we all, 
uh, worked there. And then I started just getting hired work. I, I got hired by a pop punk band. Uh, it was a guy named Rosedale. Um, his name is Mike. His band name was Rosedale. Mm-hmm. And we got hired or he hired me to do all the warp tour. And I was like, absolutely. I didn't care. I didn't care about money. I just wanted to go on warp tour. That's been like, that's always a, obviously a goal. So I remember I made, it was like, it was like, I think like 60 bucks a day, 50 bucks a day, maybe. That's crazy. Uh, and we played every day on the warp tour. And we just like, we weren't even like in the warp tour. We were playing the lineups to the warp tour. So like, you know, as people are walking in, like lining up, yeah. he would have a huge van with his promotion on it. And he would set up this crazy live rig in the parking lot. And we'd play like a real show to the line. And you know what? I thought it was crazy at the beginning. Uh, but it's a it was a good actually, idea. It was a really good idea. Yeah. And then eventually it like caught the eye of Kevin Lyman, who eventually brought us on Warped Tour, which was really cool. But for the most part, that was my first like like hired gig. Like I've never, that never happened to me before. I was like, I was just, again, stoked to play. Cause sure. like, at the end of the day, I guess like to play, man, um, and perform. That's like mm-hmm. my main thing. So, anyways, so we did warp Tour. Um, but it was weird because um, like I'd be in that band. It's a pop punk band. I'm used to like moving around like with energy, you know. And I remember he was uh, he just wanted like the spotlight. But what was funny is he was like six foot five. He was this huge, huge guy, and then it had me, little guy, next to him. So like the <laughs> pictures looked ridiculous. So, but you stand out already. Like you have to utilize the stage. Anyways, he got really mad that I um, that I moved too much. Oh. Which has been a problem for other artists too. But um, <laughs> uh, anyways, so um, that didn't work out. I ended up leaving that. I, I quit that because I'm like, I'm like, I'm not being paid enough to tell me like what to do. You know, I was, again, I was young. I wasn't like, again, I was appreciative, um, yeah. but I was like, you 50 know, this bucks just a looks day, like it's going back. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, take oh, that kind of at shit? the time, that's amazing. Oh, <laughs> 100%. But at the, at the time, I was like, sick. That's great. So then fast forward, um, like a couple more like little higher projects. And then I got hired by um, my first like radio artist, I guess. So uh, he's a, a buddy of mine. Uh, his name is Jesse LaBelle. So uh, he had a a big pop career, I guess, in Canada for a minute. Yeah. yeah. Now, he, now he lives down here in Nashville. He's been here for like eight years. I mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, awesome, hardworking dude. But anyways, uh, we got that gig. So me and my buddy Mike Sleeth, he was like, uh, like he, awesome drummer. He came from the pop world, punk world too. He's now in Sean Mendez. He's like, oh. Mendes' drummer. Okay. Oh, so like lots of my friends who I grew up with, obviously like, like in bands are now have like awesome gigs, which, which is super that's, cool. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Yes. Yeah, so like all Mendes is, uh, all those guys are all like buddies. We Like I played with like Alessia Cara. Um, my buddy Eric is in her band now. He lives in LA. Mm-hmm. So anyway, like it's good seeing everyone like like all dispersed. You know? Sure, it's, it's that's amazing. And those gigs are like they're next level. They're huge. Yeah, you know? yeah. So so, anyways, we had so me and Mike were in Jesse's band, and then uh, it just I never planned on being a hired like hired guy. It literally just happened at like the right time when I didn't know what I was gonna do. Like I was gonna be on like 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 a real estate agent. Like I just I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to do anything else. But I was like, if I have to do something, like what's the easiest thing? I don't need education for. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, basically. But uh, anyways, I knew I didn't want that. I knew if I got an opportunity, I'd be gone in a heartbeat. So so I got I kept getting hired. 
And at that point, it's just like like word spread. If you start, you play like you play more shows, you be in front of different artists, and then like, like like all your buddies will get other gigs, and then those buddies will bring you in that gig, you know. Sure. So at one point, so like, like I was a hired guy in Canada for like like eight nine years. Um, I say yeah, like eight nine years. Like, like I played for like for hundred artists in like in Canada alone. Wow. Um, yeah, like it's it's. So, you know, and like larger artists and smaller artists, which doesn't really matter. Like, like each one is special in their own way. Sure. Obviously, obviously you want like the big artists. Yeah. Um, so I had a bunch of those, like ones who couldn't break out of Canada into the States. And again, like I always wanted an American gig. I love America. Yeah, me too. Uh, I've been coming here. Like my parents brought us here twice a year, like uh, growing up. Mm-hmm. So I always. I feel like I grew up in America mm-hmm. in the States. Now I'm engaged to an American girl and that's, and that's great. However, I feel like it's more great for her now because now she's half Canadian yeah, and yeah. Canada's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so anyways, so I, so I kept like the ripple effect. I just kept getting hired for, for gigs. And it was great. You know, and I was just this little like, like pop punk kid who came out of the blue playing against like all these amazing Humber players who are, way better than me and like <laughs> like i i have no problem saying that you know like they're just great um and sorry like, not, you know, not to interrupt you but all those gigs you, you said those were you didn't have like an agent or a manager or anything getting you those gigs those are all sort of friends bringing you in yeah that's amazing yeah so i did literally everything on my own man um with the help of friends you know and like like i was i give people i love giving people gigs like i Gig Santa is what my buddy calls me just because I give gigs, you know. <laughs> Tom Gig Santa, not butter. <laughs> um, so, um, so, anyways, um, yeah, like, like everyone wants the, like the, the um, American artist at the end of the day, or at least an artist who's like like touring in the states because sure. you can't tour all year round in Canada. It's very, it's obviously very dangerous. It's cold. It doesn't really, not a lot is going on. So in my, in my opinion, every musician wants to be in the States, at least touring here because you can tour everywhere all year long. You know, you can do whatever you want. Like there's so many more opportunities in the States. And oh, yeah. I've, I've always known that. I always wish I had dual citizenship, That I was jealous of people who I knew did. Cause I'm sure. like, that is so great that you can just, like our visa process is is insane. Like the amount of money that we spent on visas is ridiculous. It's not fair. But anyways, um, so yeah, so I got all these gigs, which is which is really cool. Um, then obviously I see a bunch of my like close friends getting these huge gigs, you know, and moving away. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, we're always on tour. I'm like, oh man, like it's like your time's coming, you know. You just can't mm-hmm, quit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ever quit, even if you want to quit, just. Just never quit just because the opportunities weren't like aren't gonna come anymore. You mm-hmm. know? So so anyways, so I had this I've had this really awesome gig for the last six years uh with this Canadian country girl and he was Madeline Merlot. Mm-hmm. So she she's like my sister, she's like nicest girl I've ever met, nicest employer I've ever had in my life. She's just super nice. Uh just like a little West Coast hippie preaches peace. I just she's a nice person, you know? Nice. And like they usually you deal with singers and and they're pretty you know not awesome. <laughs> so so anyways, Madeline lives here now and she kind of always like encouraged us to move to Nashville. 
you know, just because I always wanted to live in California, by the way. I love California. Yeah. I have like awesome memories of California. Um, so with, with some hollow and stuff, mm-hmm. so, um, but you know, I've, I spent enough time in LA to know that there's like a nasty underbelly. So unless you're like someone of importance, nobody gives a shit about you. Yeah. But what I like about Nashville is everyone will give you a chance, which is really cool. and so rare, especially here. Cause it's yeah. like next level, like talent, people are aliens here, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, I'm like how, how did you just do that? And every, like on every instrument, you know, they're just nuts. Anyways, so um, so I actually made my own band again uh, a couple of years ago. I had this idea to make a band called Kentucky Rails. Well, I didn't have that idea at the time. I wanted to make a band and I yeah. needed a singer. I've, I'm always on like, like a mission to find a new singer. I feel like that's just un- yeah, always tough. a thing that I've done. Well, it's just, just always a thing I've always looked for and I've always like get my ear to the ground for. So, so a buddy of mine brought me uh, my buddy, Zach. Um, and right away I was like, this guy's voice is unreal. I loved it. I, I thought he had a, an amazing like rasp and tone. And, um, so we ended up, uh, we built a band of all hired guys. So all people that I played with in Canada, mm-hmm. all buddies, all hired players. And we called ourselves Kentucky rails because we're like a big metaphor about like in the Kentucky Derby, if you're on the inside lane, you have more of a disadvantage. Uh, and we're like, like all getting older and, you know, like, like you're just making a band again in your thirties is, right. is absolutely terrifying, you know, and you kind yeah. of are the underdog because your voice has been the hired guy. Now you're trying to like, so anyways, it kind of had meaning, which actually had a lot of meaning, which was really cool. Uh, and we ended up, um, I contacted a producer. He's also Canadian. His name's, uh, Brad Stella. So his, so his daughter is Lennon Stella and Macy Stella, who are on the show Nashville. The oh, shit. TV show. And Lennon is like this giant pop star. Oh, wow. Lennon is huge. Like, you would know her songs. Lennon is mm-hmm. it's amazing. Uh, they're all from Whitby. So, so anyways, I knew that they were all living here because of Nashville. Yeah. And I always, I always had this guy on Facebook, uh, Brad Stella. And what's funny is I had a wedding band in Canada, and it was called Stella. So, so one day I just decided to just reach out to this like man named Brad Stella never like he didn't know me I didn't know him we were right. on Facebook I probably added him because I thought he was cool yeah <laughs> um and I messaged him and I was like I was like man you know it's hilarious because he played in a band a duo um and it was like our name it was like the Texan name uh yeah because uh, his last name is Stella last name is Stella yeah so uh so I messaged him saying you know, it's funny, like, like I take all, I take in all these invoices and stuff and people hire us with the impression that it's you, you know, and I'm getting these invoices for your, your band right. that are like, and you're making way more than we are, but it was like, it was the best in to like message a stranger, you sure. know, and like it started with a laugh. It was like really yeah. great. Yeah. I was like, I was like, you know, man, like, I look like, I think you're great. Uh, I was wondering if you were interested in managing or producing. So uh, I had this band called Kentucky Rails. This is a song that we just uh, released. Let us know. And that what song it, was that? Wallet. It was called Wallet. Yeah. So what was cool is uh, it was our first song. Uh, and um, a best friend of mine, Josh, he was uh, he he was a very early employee at Facebook, and he worked at Facebook in Toronto. Oh. So the music video is actually shot in Facebook. Holy shit! Uh, 
in the Facebook office. And then he kind of like sponsored it and it got like a hundred K views in like a day, which was like wow. amazing. Yeah. Uh, which was, you know, that was just, that doesn't happen to us, you know? So, so anyways, that was really cool. Obviously that number was impressive to like a producer. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. He was like, he was like, I have a couple of days next week. If you can come, let's do it. So we obviously were like, we're not available. Like uh, we had gigs. Anyways, we had, we had a gig in Oshawa and we're like, hey, we're going to leave right after the gig and just uh, drive to Nashville overnight. And then we start in the morning. With, Holy. So that was, that was really hard, but um, we did it. Drove all the way overnight and then like walked right into like, probably like just a big moment in like our careers at the, or oh, our yeah. like almost career, I guess. Sure. With a new band, you know? Cause it was happening very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually make a band and it takes a while. Right. Oh, so, yeah. so, so he, he brought us out and at that time he was managing Zach Brown band, which is again, like huge. awesome. Zach Brown yeah. Huge. Yeah. And he's always more left of country. He kind of just, he does his own thing. He's just a badass mm-hmm. dude. So it was like, it blended really well with, with what we were doing. Cause we weren't country. I don't play for it. Like, like I'm in the country scene, but I don't really play for any like, country artists yeah you know, like yeah in my opinion everyone's pop so um like i love all the artists i play for. I, I love their music i think it's great you know and i'm very thankful for that especially because yeah, that's know, awesome if you I like what you're playing that's always a huge bonus right it's like 100%. so um so yeah so um we came down to nashville uh, we ended up writing a song and he gave us kind of like um a shot, I guess. And he brought us into the recording studio that Zach Brown owns that you mentioned. Uh, Southern Ground. Southern Ground Studios, which was to us again, huge. Amazing. Yeah. So we went down the next, uh, our next trip uh, with the idea we were going to cut other people's songs. However, we had a bunch of rights in town uh, with like these really awesome people. And the guy that was like our singer in the band, Zach, he's, he's, he's a great writer. He's like, he comes up with things that oh, I would have. Yeah. He's, he's, he's really good. He's still in Nashville. He's writing every day still, which is great. Uh, he's releasing his, uh, his first single, I think uh, May 10th, I think. And that's one, that's one that we co-wrote together, which is really cool. But anyways, um, we, we came down here with the idea to record other people's songs and uh, we actually ended up, writing our own songs and our producers, Brad and another guy mm-hmm. uh, were like, we're like, these like might even be better than the songs we're going to cut. And these were like already like guarantee number ones, apparently that like, if we cut them, it'll go number one in, in Canada at least. That's crazy. So, which is really cool because it's like, you think we think about Nashville, like, like the amount of songs that fly around here yeah. every day that are amazing that yeah. get thrown out. Yeah. No attention. No, no one uses them, you know? So like, there's so many amazing songs here. Anyways, um, we ended up, we had this one song that people really wanted and then he got us a showcase in Nashville and it actually ended up being at, at that recording studio, which is really cool because they've never had like, uh, they've never, they never had a showcase at Southern ground before. Mm-hmm. So, um, so our investor at the time, he like, he bought everyone like, like wine and like, like made it really nice. Like anyways, we had a lot of awesome people there. Mm-hmm. All the labels just wanted one tune that we, we just couldn't back up but what's crazy is at that showcase is where i met these two guys mitch and tom and those are, and those are the guys who are seaforth oh, okay. and, and i didn't know this at the time like i met them and i was like I was like hey you know whatever so 
Um, so all of us are back home. We didn't get the record deal. <laughs> like, I think we were all under the impression it was going to happen. Right. You know, and it just never happened. Never, so yeah, that, never however, that happens all the time in our lives. Like, oh, yeah. It's going to happen and it just gets smushed in your face, which yeah. really sucks. But again, something you're used to. So anyways, so I'd say fast forward a couple months. We're just like, we're, we're a band still, but it's like just trying to make it work and trying to like, like write what we wrote mm-hmm. that one time when we were drunk. And it was like, it was like a Motown sexy song that we just, we couldn't, couldn't redo or follow up. So anyways, so then I get a call from, from Brad. He's in Nashville. I'm in Toronto, my mm-hmm. house in Toronto. And he's like, hey, man, uh, remember those guys that you met at the, at the showcase? They're called Seaforth. Uh, they're a huge band down here. And, and this band's about to, like, just blow up. And they want you in the band. I'm like, what do you mean they want me in the band? They're like, they loved how you were at the show. They loved your energy. They loved everything about you. They wanted you in the band. I'm like, that is awesome. Because, it, it, like, when that happens, you're like, that's your ticket to the States, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I, I'll get a visa, and I actually have reason to be there, and not like not be scared of everything because america's terrifying not like of like 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 irs shit and stuff yeah you know? yeah so like um anyways uh, i got my visa and i joined seaforth which which was great um usually if you take another gig like that you lose the gigs that you have um i was obviously in that madeline merlot's mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. band for six years and we're like very extremely tight and madeline saw that as like a reason for me to move down here and I actually ended up missing a lot of her gigs, which I hate because like you get double booked and you have yeah. to kind of, t- and at this point I'm on contract with, with, with this band and Sony. So right. I feel like I can't, I can't work anywhere else. And uh, she hasn't fired me yet. And I really love her for that <laughs> because uh, I love that gig a lot. And uh, I was, it's a tough situation, man. Like, oh, it's I really believe it. And that's like always how it's been. It's like a game of, of decisions you know like you can like in toronto i always had this one art you have like a main artist and then you have a lot of like other artists around it who yeah. could you know and right. then if one starts to go you gotta make that decision you might lose this gig you know and if that one doesn't work then you got no gigs right. you know so like, it's always a game of juggling artists which sucks because no artist wants that no. like every every artist wants you to be their their guy and yeah. their band they want the dedication that's very expensive. That's like a, you put a band on retainer, you know, and then we'll do that. You like your priority. Sure. Uh, but it was kind of different moving to Nashville, being on a visa. Uh, like Madeline understood that. Everyone understood that. So that's been my like that's been my goal forever. That's what brought me to Nashville permanently. And then it's been two years of of awesome, like awesome shows, awesome tours, except this obviously Corona stuff. But yeah, that's probably it. And in like a nutshell, man. Yeah. That's like the uh, very quick um, condensed version kind of thing. I could have gone on forever, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's basically how I'm here now. And that's how I got into hired music. Like, again, it wasn't planned. It just kind of happened. And I love that it did, but um, yeah, it's a hard life, man. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, oh, you're grinding, man. Believe me. I, I know you, like I, I've seen your progression. Like, like I said, I've been following you on Instagram forever. I've seen yeah. you like from the very beginning to where you are now, and I've been trying to follow it and put the pieces together, but it's nice to hear it, you know, directly from you. And, and like you said, you're just scratching the surface, but it gives people like me an opportunity to sort of understand the dedication mm-hmm. it takes to do what you're doing. This isn't like, uh, Hey, I met someone, they flew me down. I'm now working down here. It takes oh, yeah. effort, you know? Well, I think it takes you putting yourself in an opportunity 
or putting yourself in like, a position to like seek out other opportunities that you sure. don't expect. You know? Sure. Cause that's like how basically I've gotten every gig. It's like networking too, you know, like, like networking in Toronto. I hate calling it networking, but it's just going out like having a good time. Um, you get drunk and you're and like people like you, you yeah. know, and then you get gigs. Just, that is the essence of networking though. Really? That literally, That literally is how I've gotten so many gigs and like people who just like coop themselves up in, in their house, like just expecting the opportunity to come. It's never going to come that way. No, and, uh, like I that. wish it would, but it's never going to happen. It's you just know? not like, that. I was just talking to my buddy about that last like, night. You know, so like, many people, you know, Especially me as a Canadian in America. Like, they have so many options, you know? Yeah. So, like, that to me is really, really cool. And like you were saying about Nashville, like, I remember seeing, like, a documentary about Nashville. I can't remember what it was, but they were, you know, they were showing all those places, like the Bluebird Cafe and, like, all, you know, all those places where people perform who are amazing artists, amazing, like, uh, musicians, uh, you know, and they they just, they're struck, they're uh, a waiter by day or a waitress by day oh, and then yeah. they play their songs at night and hope that they stand out and they're all amazing yeah. like yeah. nobody oh. is nobody's a shitty musician i know it's pretty wild man you like after being here for a little while they, they they're here but you know oh, i sure. feel like uh, yeah, yeah yeah um man i totally agree though like literally i'd say that the caliber of people is is fucking far from none man oh yeah so, i don't know if i'm allowed to swear on this oh yeah yeah but, yeah no, let them fly. Yeah, like, even <laughs> LA, like, like, like LA is the same. Like LA is amazing. It's just what's I think the difference between both is LA is so spread out. Where yeah. Nashville is like Nashville's it's it's pretty small and there's a lot of people here. And you go to a bar and you run into anybody. Literally, like chances are running into someone is very, very yeah. probable. You yeah. know? LA is like you're not gonna run into like Madonna or like you know, but, but like here you're running like Keith Urban out all the time, like Sam Hunt's being like dragged out of bars, like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, for example, you know, but I don't know. I feel like Nashville's is just really tight knit, but everyone will give you a chance. And I think that yeah. is what's yeah. really cool about Nashville. That's what makes me love Nashville a lot. Um, there's obviously like, like a lot of the rules here, are like, I don't really agree with, but you know, mm-hmm. who's, who might have seen anything, you know? Are you but, still, so you're still, even to this day, you still have no manager other than like what's uh, happening with Seaforth and stuff. You don't yeah. have someone that's booking you gigs. You're still just meeting people and booking gigs that so, way. So, so yeah, like ideally you just want to have like, you know, your couple gigs that you can just hang on to and just yeah. hope that they, like, they work out. You, yeah, for sure. And I feel like I have two really awesome gigs right now. I'm very fortunate to actually have like sure. two of them. Yeah who are both on like an American label now who are both being pushed. Like Madeline just, uh, she won a TV show here in Nashville or in the States called, uh, Songland it's called or whatever. Okay. And anyways, her song was chosen by Lady Annabellum to be their new song. And it just went number one. Holy so shit. That just, that just got like, like Madeline, her, her great deal here. And, um, like, so that's, a, song, that's a songwriting show. It's a songwriting show, and you, you perform your own song with like these like hit songwriters. So like like one of the judges is like Ryan Tedder from One Republic. Um, it's it's different people every show. That's but, fucking uh, amazing, man. It was really cool, and like obviously all of us knew all the news earlier, but we couldn't say anything until the show aired. Yeah, of course. Um, but like that's just an awesome feeling, you know. And again, like like making that dream happen in America, like when you're dealing with so many people, especially like Madeline. I guess I've been doing this since she was like 16 or 15, you know, and like as a songwriter, that is like, that's a, that's a 
like a gift, you know, that's a yeah. dream. True. Oh, yeah. And where's so she I'm, from initially? She's from uh, Maple Ridge in Vancouver. Holy shit. That's awesome. Yeah, man. British Columbia. Dude, super cool. So I, I nothing but respect for that and her. And then like dudes in C4 have just been like grind. Like even if you have labels, like it doesn't, it's not for sure. Nothing's for sure. Right. So like you just got to have like these things line up properly and hope that hopefully that something goes. Mm-hmm. So I just recorded on, on C4's latest single called breakups. Mm. And uh, that goes to radio us radio on May 10th, which is, which is awesome. Cause that's my first like us cut. Which nice. Is, nice. Which is a big thing. So that's, that's really cool. But yeah, man, just like these little things that just like hope they get your foot in the door. I spoke to a bunch of, a bunch of recording work. Cause like this producer wanted the guy from C4. So I was like, cool. Thank you. You know, like, yeah. but like that, how it happens, you know, like, like yeah, I didn't, I didn't seek out that work and thankfully it came to me cause I need it obviously, you know, but like, I don't know, man, it's just, are you doing much of I, that, uh, that sort of like session work, you know, like I know yeah. you're not going to studios much, probably you're like doing a lot of- do, I do it right here in my house. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, like, I, like I recorded with Seaforth here. Like I just laid down a bass track, sets it over and now it's going to us radio. You That's know, like so it's super wild. Man, Cause I would much rather do it in my bedroom by myself, you know, and like make it like yeah. just how I should be. If I get revisions, that's totally fine. I'll get you back whatever you sure. want. But like, I feel like I love that aspect of it rather than being in a studio and sitting in front of like this legendary. So, so I moved here. <laughs> um, so it's, so it's funny as I moved here and the drummer of C4 at the time, uh, his name's Elliot uh, and his dad was, or is the biggest producer for Nashville. His name's Dan Huff. Holy so shit. he's done. So he's done everybody from like Keith Urban. The man, like literally. Do Wikipedia it? His his thing's amazing. Anyways, his kid was in the band, and he, his dad was our producer. And like, like I move here, and I'm all of a sudden in that circle. Like I'm at, I'm in his basement. Like like playing NHL on his giant like movie screen, you know, like it's so awesome. And I'm like, how the hell did I get here? You know, but again, it's just like these random little things, you know, and then I ended up recording with Dan Hoff and that is like a legendary, like a legendary man. And it's terrifying, you know, cause he's seen everything. And he's like, on top of that, he's a shredder. He was, see- oh, really? oh, he was like a giant. He was like, Dan was called giant. Uh, it was the eighties band. And, uh, like late 80s check them out they're wicked and he just man google dan huff and it it will blow your mind i'm writing it down right now because now you've got me my interest peaked here d-a-n-n yeah Yeah, he's uh but again a super guy like super great guy like i said another thing about nashville is like everyone everyone's just really nice like Mm -hmm. like shockingly really nice but i think that's how i've gotten work is like i feel like i'm shockingly really nice yeah i'm I'm a friendly Canadian, you know, but like, I like I've I know 100 that's why I've gotten a lot of work yeah. because I'm a lot of the artists that I'm with just because I like making friends. That's you it, know? man. If you're easy to work with and you're a friendly person, I think that goes sure. a long way, man. Honestly, especially if, you're, especially if you're touring, like you have to be able to, to hang. You know, everyone yeah. says that. Yeah, yeah. With the hang, but it really is all about the hang. Oh, it's true. Like, you're on stage 10 percent of the day. Sure. You know, like the rest of it, you're stuck in either a van or a bus together, which it's not that much room. I, mm. but like, thankfully, love you. Like, you like like everyone you work with, which is, again, rare. Yeah, actually, you know, 
I shouldn't lie. I think everyone is everyone who's hired is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like otherwise, they wouldn't be getting work. And I think a lot of awesome players in Toronto who don't get a lot of work is because of that because they're yeah more than good enough. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how you stand out. It's it's things like it's your personality that's going to make you stand out. There's a lot. Yeah. There's so many good musicians out there. But yeah. what are they like to deal with? What are they like, like you said, to tour with? You know what I mean? Like, like Mike told me, you know, going back a little bit to the Somehow Hollow stuff, he told me what that tour was like in Europe and how you guys mm. toured in a car with your instruments on your lap. Like, you cannot be an asshole and be in a car like that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not going to work out well. Yeah, I mean, I was, it, clearly, it didn't really work out that well anyway. <laughs> I was a little 18-year-old kid, but, like, around, like, Kent and, like, Drew and, like, like these road dogs, you know, I like literally like, like who I looked up to, I'm like, we're doing this in a car. I'm like, wow, this is it. You know, we're really doing it. But you know, at the time you don't give a shit. No. Like at least I didn't, I, I was like, I was having the greatest time of my life. Sure. Like I'm sure the, I'm sure Mike and them had, had different feelings, you know? Well, I mean, baby. Yeah. I don't me know. And Mike were really close. Me and Mike, uh, we got, we got really close on those tours. I love mm-hmm. Mike. He's a great guy. He yeah. actually came back. He came down here last year and we went to a, a Predators game. Oh, nice. NHL, if you love the NHL, but yeah. Did he come down there just for like, just like to visit you or did he come for? It was, it was a work thing, but, oh, okay. but he, he knew he had a job in, in Nashville and he hit me up right away. He was like, gotcha. like, let's go out. Basically like on the, com- I think maybe on the company, maybe. Sure. I don't really. well, Either well. way, it was a, a nice juicy hookup, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, but yeah, man. Um, yeah, the mic's great. Um, like everyone in that band was great. I was just, I was just really young, you know, and mm-hmm. I was, I was like treated like the new guy, yeah. which I, um, I, I understand. Like you're, you're gonna be. Ben yeah. Tiller are are hilarious, you know, but but yeah. like they could be really big dickheads, you know, <laughs> all in a joke, like, like like all. I like I thought it was hilarious, you know. Like Kent obviously like fucking miss him to death, you know. Oh, yeah. Like I, I looked up to Kent like for like he was he was like great to me like i just thought he was so cool you know yeah so that was really hard um that was really tough but um yeah he comes yeah. up he comes up a lot because you know without meaning to this podcast sort of has turned into a lot of the episodes are set you know centered around somehow hollow because a lot of the members are people i know and mike and brad obviously have been on twice each now and they talk you know they talk kent had his down his downside here and there but for the most part he was an amazing guy you know and that's what i remember about him too so well, you know what sucks is i literally uh our last time we spoke uh, i saw the like the text i saw it the other day uh the text messages on my phone it was uh he was trying to become a hired guy in toronto and tried getting me to get him work in toronto with an artist and i was like like man you know like that's a lot to ask just because it's like my word is like that's right recommendation is like if you give someone that is not if you can't count on that person they'll look down on you not on anybody else so like i always learned that as a hired guy so i was like i was like you know like i'll keep my ear to the ground but like i can't just like refer you to all these artists that's not how it works you know no. yeah uh and i hate that because you know that was obviously him like reaching out for help um I obviously didn't know at the time. Yeah. Like at this point, like I haven't talked to him for so long. We broke up in Europe. No one saw each other for mm-hmm. so long. You know, I knew that that he had his problems mm-hmm. and, and struggles. But um, yeah, man, that's yeah. I mean, it's tough. He he was like like I said, he was sort of this larger than life character. And 
you know, like, and I un- totally understand what you're saying. It's very difficult to stick your neck out um, for someone, especially if you haven't seen them in a long time. You don't know what kind of place they're in. You don't know if they've kept up their skill. Like, that's that's a big, a big thing to ask. You know? For a long time, you know, like, yeah. like I grew with them for long enough to know that, you know, he's he's hilarious, but he's a liability. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Yeah. I love the guy. Like, I always loved yeah. him. But like, as a hired guy, it's so different. Like, like I know you from being in a and like a punk band and yep. we live, there are no rules, you know, like, wh- how are you going to be when there are rules? And that's, that's kind of what, like at the time you don't think about it. Right. Yeah. And it's like, there's a lot of guitar players in Toronto. You don't, you don't even live in Toronto, you know? Yeah. So speaking, anyway, of, so uh, was- speaking of being in somehow hollow, I just want to ask you one more question. Cause again, I, like I said, I don't want this, this whole podcast to be like all about somehow hollow. Oh, you've got a bigger story than that, but the, <laughs> you've got this nickname, you've got this nickname yeah. that I've always heard and never knew where it came from so i know yeah. as justin de i've also known you on on maybe facebook or instagram as justin michael de but i also know you as butters so yeah what's so, the story behind that nickname honestly man i like i couldn't even really tell you i know it from south park and i know it's because i talk funny but um <laughs> that was it just happened one day and again i'm this little kid who i didn't have that's what they wanted to call me then whatever you know like, i'm not gonna like be like what the hell? I'm like, I'm not that guy, you know. Like, I I'll just take it, you know. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't really a South Park uh, watcher um, back then. I still am not really either. But um, yeah, me so neither. I really. Didn't really know. So I didn't really know who Butters was, and then I saw Butters. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay, so it's from it's a South Park reference. It's a South Park reference. I so always I pictured it being like you carrying in like Mike's like SVT head or something, and like oh, oh, dropping okay. it. Oh no. no! I had my own rig. I had the exact same rig that he had. Thankfully. Oh, did I, you? I always see. Always pictured that being Mike's gear. I thought that was uh, Mike's gear that you were playing through. Oh, I had my own Ernie Ball. I had my own huge Ampeg. All that stuff. Oh shit! Killed my back. Yeah, oh yeah, that stuff's ridiculous by today's standards. I, I love it. Yeah, like it sounds amazing. And and we talked about that. I'm like you said. You listened to that that episode with him. I talked mm-hmm. to him and you know openly said that I think the bass tone where he used the live rig on on busted wings album is and i won't say better than the than the latest ep just different and it's so much more really punchy was. it, it, it sounds like a real amp you know 100 percent. i remember recording with, with the guys that like on our last ep and like i didn't even play mike ended up playing the bass but um yeah like i don't it didn't come across as as punchy as busted wings for sure yeah, yeah um, the digital stuff's great for like I don't know, like for a lot of a lot of genres, but I think like for punk sure or hard amp- music. I'm pretty Sorry? sure we, I'm pretty sure we had amps in that studio, because that was EMI. That was when uh, oh, okay. Greg Store, the Alexis Fire guy. Oh shit! That was that was when he was recording the band, and but again, that was like after we were dropped. Like everything was like, like we got dropped from Victory. Oh yeah, another funny story is how we how we really. I heard Mike's version of this. How we really knew that we were dropped from, from victory records is after we, we got home from tour uh I, like i would always just hop on victoryrecords.com just because i was so proud to be on it you know Absolutely. Like, and one day we weren't there anymore oh. and, and then i was like that's weird like where did we go and then i messaged mike and all them or like i don't even i don't even think like text messaging was a thing back then yeah but uh like i called mike and was like why are we off some of our victory records website and they're like I don't know. And then we, we called our old manager and she's like, yeah, you guys got dropped. Yeah, it sucks. But I honestly believe it's because they were watching from that Chicago balcony when, when everyone chucked pennies at us. (laughs) 
hundred percent. Like that's the only thing I can think, think that was the tipping that, point. That was, that was it. Like I truly <laughs> believe that, but um, no, that was funny. Yeah. I remember Mike telling me like years ago, like years ago, like after you guys had broken up and all that kind of stuff, but, but shortly after that, uh, you know, like you guys were getting tr- in trouble on tour because you were like a little bit sort of out of control and you were like overspending your, you know, your sort of your daily allotments. And I was told, I was told because we drank too much, but I yeah, don't yeah. And that's kind of what I he was getting at. But I wouldn't really think it was a problem at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, actually, I know it wasn't because I'm actually 100% certain that it wasn't that. Yeah. You know, like, I just think that was an excuse just because we weren't performing like a grade mm-hmm. did. I expected it to. No. Yeah, it was a tough time. Like you said, that sticker was really kind of a, a weird thing to put on there. You know, like it just it was it was a very um, it was a tease, you know, for a lot of people. I knew it was a hardcore band and then it wasn't a hardcore band at all. Anymore, that's right. You know? It was completely different sound. And to and to compare the two is like, you know, you shouldn't shouldn't really lead people, mislead people like that. It's going to turn a lot of people off, I think. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like I always knew that, I guess, back then, just that was like was on the record you know yeah but i didn't again i didn't really know much that was going on with the music industry or like yeah. how records sold I, I, I didn't know that so I, it's such I a mystery that. to most people and maybe by today's standards you can learn a lot more via the internet but back then it's like it was a complete yeah. mystery you know i'm sure like driving with maps you know and that yeah. was map books so, and shit yeah how much different that's another thing that sucks is like i don't really have a lot of like memories or videos or pictures of like those days even the goodbye celebration, I don't really have much from it. Yeah. You can be in phones or no. anything, you know? So, so like, like, like I miss, I wish I had more from those days. Yeah. Cause, you know? Yeah. But, it's hard to collect those memories when you don't have an easy way to do it. Like I remember even back then digital cameras were just coming around, you know, like I remember Brad had like this Sony piece of junk. I think you guys played in like a, in like a town just near here called Waterdown. I'm pretty sure. At, a, uh, like, at most. At most. Yeah, that was, was that on New Year's. I think it was on New Year's. So it's funny. It's all draw out of a hat, and and you it put you on stage in order of when you drew out of the hat, and we drew last. Oh wow! We were all smashed because it's New Year's, and we were on like we were on at midnight. Yeah. So we're like that was really funny. I remember that show very well. But yeah, Moses, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. No, that's okay. It's it's a good story. I like those little sidebars. But Brad was walking around with like a digital camera like by today's standards i still have one that was very similar this old sony one that they were oriented sideways and the lens was on one side just such a piece of shit but at the time we were like whoa look at that fucking camera that thing's awesome it's like piece of junk by today's standards those you wouldn't even want to look at those pictures now you know my literally only memory that i still have is a vhs video a bus playing in europe but i came i can't even watch it because i don't know vhs yeah who the hell's got that i would love to watch it though you got to get it converted. You got to take it to one of those photo lab places if they still yeah. exist anywhere down there and convert it. Somewhere, but yeah. So what are yeah. you doing? You said, you, so you had some like e-commerce stuff, but I know like even before COVID hit, you were maybe doing some other, some other work, like brand ambassador kind of work for some places. Oh, down yeah. There? Um, no, I really wasn't. Like no? I had, I had friends who took pictures. I just like, I like like nice, I guess, good pictures. Sure. Um, you mentioned that like troll company or whatever. Yeah, I, I was scrolling it. through Instagram and then all of a sudden I'm like, I got this ad for Troll Co. And I like I got them a lot because I kind of liked some of their stuff and I would scroll through the the ads. And all of a sudden one day I'm scrolling and there's you and I and I went past it and I went, wait a second. And I went back. I'm like, that's fucking Justin. You know what's funny? So so what happened was um, my buddy Lee, he uh, he 
he was really getting into photography and he had a great camera. And he's like, he's like, hey man, if, if I give you 200 bucks, you want to take some pictures with me? I was like, yeah, sure. He, and I was wearing all blank, like a blank shirt, you know? And the amount of times that people send me this picture with me wearing a different t-shirt, because all it is is a company is just going to use my picture and put their logo on it. Oh, really? So I have no idea, but I'm everywhere on like these random websites <laughs> and people send me this picture all the time. And I'm in a different t-shirt, but it's the same shirt. It's just Photoshopped. That's hilarious. And I wish I asked for more because I had no idea what, like what it was going to be for. So it's just become like a stock photo that they just slapped their logo on. That's hilarious, man. I always thought that you were like, you had had the troll co shirt on. Holy fuck. That's funny. So for 200 bucks, you sold your image that everyone's now using. Absolutely. Well, I'm trying. A lot of people, I've literally gotten it probably 20 times, 25 times. Holy shit. That's amazing. Yeah. That was a long time ago, but, um, I've, I've always done that kind of stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. um, then you said clocks and colors. Yeah. It's just a cool company that just like supports, you know? And so like, um, his name's Shane. He's from Toronto. He owns the tally. Oh, really? And like, they're literally in every store basically in the world now, which is amazing. And then so clocks and colors is a side project. It's like, like all like, like really high quality silver, obviously. And like, it's like cool designs. Yeah. And they send stuff. Yeah. They send me stuff like, every other month and uh, and it's awesome so yeah and they have like like none of that shit looks good on me so i can't ever wear it right it's it's and it's unfortunate because i really think it's cool like designed yeah. jewelry but i just it, it's, yeah. i'm not the guy for it right but but it's a pretty big like you called it a side project for him but it's pretty big like i think the yeah. instagram account is, yeah gotten a lot bigger because i remember i tried getting a deal with them a long time ago and Vitaly was big and he's like uh, it's just not big enough yet like like they can't afford to give out free right stuff. And then maybe like two years ago is when I got the actual deal with them and they send me stuff all the time. It's nice. awesome. Yeah, yeah that's man. wicked. I love free shit. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't like if swag? I, if I had all the money in the world, I would still it's <laughs> no. cooler when it's gear. Yeah. It's, that's when it's way cooler. So you've been playing some of these big shows, like some of your Instagram posts, speaking of Instagram with uh, the clocks and castle stuff, you, you post some of this stuff where you've got, you know, obviously picture yourself like that very popular picture that a lot of bands do where they face yeah. away from the audience and then take the selfie and you've got the sea of people behind you. That must've yeah. been an amazing feeling the first time that happened. Like, do you yeah, remember no, I, the first big show? Oh yeah. Well, like that was with Seaforth. I remember like, um, my first like, like huge show probably back in Canada was an arena with uh, a pop pop guy named uh, Tyler Shaw. Yep, yep. Shaw. So uh, yep, yep. I I was in his band for a long time and we did all those wee days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're all in arenas and that was fun. Um, but I'd say that was my first like real big show. Actually, no, I lied. Um, the Goodbye Celebration. We got this one random off gig and it was in Ohio and we got brought to this like it was like a I guess kind of like a conference and we were just the entertainment to keep people like, mm-hmm. entertained. Uh, but everyone was in chairs and it was kind of like more of an assembly than anything. Yeah. It's not really, that's not really the same, right? It was, yeah, but it definitely had a couple thousand people there. So that was pretty cool. But then like the arenas are obviously, yeah. I love that. And I like that. must be insane. I, yeah. See, I, like 
again, like even still, I still play all different kinds of shows. Like I love small club shows. Oh, sure, I love, sure. I love I love festivals more than anything. I love arena shows. Like you know, who, who doesn't? Like it's so cool. Oh yeah. Um, but I like festivals and all. It's just more fun. Yeah, like you played Boots and Hearts. Like that must have been a pretty big crowd. Yeah. Of Boots and Hearts. I've done Boots and Hearts a bunch. Um, so out of any country gig, that was my first like like real intro to country with Jesse LaBelle. Because uh, he was pop, and then he turned country, right? And, and he got the Boots and Hearts gig, and then I did it. I think six years in a row after that. Oh, that's cool. awesome! Yeah, like like I want to be in this uh, this country world. Cause I was in the pop world for a while, and like we toured with like Selena Gomez and Nick Jonas and stuff. And there's just like there's ego in the pop yeah. world, man. I really didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in country, everyone hangs out. Everyone's friendly. Everyone is under the VIP tent together. Like every artist, it doesn't matter who you are, how right. big you are, right. everyone wants to hang. So like I saw that and I was like, fuck, that's cool. I wasn't used to that at all. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, I want to be in the country world. And then all of a sudden I I, I got in the country mm-hmm. world. And, but again, I don't, feel, I don't feel like it's country. Yeah, I was going to say, because you're in Seaforth now, but Seaforth isn't really country, right? Like it's more like, if anything, it's pop country, maybe. Yeah, so I think everything's pop country. Like Madeline too, same thing. Like basically all the country I've, I've ever played for is like, mm-hmm. like I guess you can, you can call it pop country. Mm-hmm. But um, they're pop, man. Like I think Seaforth pop. I tell them all the time. Yeah. Pop. Oh, it's definitely pop music. It's it's very easy to listen to. Yeah. It's not like typical like you know. I love like I personally like oh, yeah. that band. So I love that. It's, I recorded on the last one, Breakups, and that's probably their most country song. Mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. but everything else like power pop i feel you know yeah yeah i was listening to some of it like today and i've heard it before like you've posted stuff before and i've clicked links and listened and like it they they're very easy to listen to it's not like that old country like when we were kids uh, you know what i mean like you you're similar in age to me like i'm i'm probably a little bit closer to mike's age than i am to your age but we're, we're similar in age so you remember like ache when achy breaky heart and all that shit yeah. was around like i could not listen to that even as a kid i could not listen to that it drove me fucking bananas and yeah, so yeah. when you hear pop country now and you tune in, a lot of it is not like that anymore. It's way easier to listen to. It's more pop based, like you're saying, yeah. right? It's it, it's fun. It's it's good music. Yeah. You said, I, look, I like it. Yeah. It's yeah. Fun. You said those but guys again, are from Australia? They're from Seaforth, Australia. That's where oh. they're named. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's where they're... Um, they're oh, their thinking. accent, like if they have an accent, it doesn't come through at all in the music, which is insane. Not in the music, but you talk to them, they come through very... It's right. wi- that's wild to me because you think like they put it on like the video I was watching today with my wife. I'm like, I think these guys, I couldn't remember if they were from Australia or the UK. They have almost no accent at all. If, if it's even there at all, you know, in, in the, in the songs. It's definitely, uh, they're hard, hard accents. Yeah. To me, like, I love the Australian accent. I think it's great. Apparently when, when they moved here though, it was a lot worse. And then I heard videos of them when they first moved here and it was a lot worse. Yeah. They got to kind of like lose yeah. it a bit when living here. So they've been here quite a while then, I guess. Hey, in, in that. They moved here, I think, four years ago. Oh, okay. And what about touring over there? Like, no no inkling of going back home to tour? Or are they, like, do they not have much of a following over there? Is it bigger here? What's what's the deal with that? So what happened was we were on our way to Australia. Yeah. And then COVID, and COVID hit. Like, hit. A day later, hmm. it uh, And then they haven't been able to go home because um, they live in America and Australia is on lockdown. Yeah. So they haven't been able to, um, there's been talks of, of like an Australian tour, uh, but it would just be a duo just because you have to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks before you're allowed to do anything. 
and mm-hmm. that is so much money every member. So like at that point, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what I was thinking, like, cause Australia is in really good shape. So I thought, well, if you went over there and got tested and then quarantined for a few days, got tested again, like a couple negative tests in a row, you should yeah. be able to do a tour. Like there's really no risk there. You're not going to bring it if you're, if you're clean when you come in. Right. I'm not sure. I think Australia is just a little bit more locked down than, than we, uh, they've been strict. They've been yeah. strict, you know? That's why there's no cases. Exactly. And New Zealand, Australia, exactly. That's exactly why they've kept it in control because they, they know how to do a proper lockdown. You know, none of this yeah. really nilly. Well, stay home if you feel like it, but still get together with five people. Like, come on, man. Like none of those rules make sense to me. It just seems weird. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, again, it's just living in the times that we're being given and just make the most of it. And yeah, you know, it'll definitely happen. You know, like I think, like Europe and, and Australia, it's like, it's definitely going to happen. I just, it's a matter of when. So I think we're getting a bunch of shows, like, I guess coming in now. Um, but again, like, I'm, it's not what we're used to. Like, well, right. I'm used to being on the books. Like, I love it like that. I, yeah. I love being damned every weekend. I don't like having weekends off. Mm-hmm. I like leaving, you know, like, it's, it's work. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just become work to me. And it's weird when I'm not doing it. Is Kentucky Rails not doing anything anymore either? Or are you guys sort of on no. pause or what's happening there? So what was weird is me and Zach were moving here anyways. And we're just going to live here for the six months that we were allowed to as a visitor. Um, and just hope that something happened. Uh, but literally right at that time when I was given Seaforth. And and like Brad was our producer and he, he gave it to me and said, this will help with you just like, moving to Nashville, being a newbie in Nashville, like people will take you more seriously because you, you're moving here with a major label gig mm-hmm, at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Yeah. Basically it was. And that had 100% helped me a lot. Uh, so when we, me and him moved here, we were living together and we were writing together, but um, I never loved writing. I was never like a, like a writer of lyrics. So like, like in Goodbye Submission, all those bands, we would write music, which is, which is great. Uh, but then you move here and you, you like I started coming here probably six years ago, like the, on writing trips, and like you quickly learn you have to learn how to write lyrics. So um, so I would contribute here and there, but at the end of the day, like I'm not an asset in the room. I don't think, at least I don't think so. Like like I see other people and they're just like it's like comes so easy to them, and like you can write like multiple songs in a day. Like my brain is killing me after like a chorus, you know. Yeah. So um. So he's a, he's a great writer. I think he'll get a pub deal at some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of Kentucky rails, it kind of ended um, weird. And mm-hmm. then, and I just like, we moved here with me and this gig and I was doing Kentucky rails on the side, what could live together. And then I just got too busy with Seaforth and I just really enjoyed Seaforth and uh, it just kind of like withered away. That's too bad. I really enjoyed that band, man. Like I said, I, I was uh, I was a fan of those two singles. You put Wallet and uh, Mexican Restaurant, right? Those are the two I was listening to quite a bit, and they were they were great. And I was watching some live videos. The one I thought you're up on the rooftop somewhere. It's like the Mason Jar Sessions or something, and you're up on the roof. And I thought that was in Nashville. It, that was like, my old house. It's Toronto. That was my old house. CN Towers in the background. <laughs> that was my old house. The rooftop of my was old it house. really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It was like not on the rooftop. It was like just outside my bedroom window. Oh, okay. You know? I had this huge balcony, like, or it's just, it's a roof. It's not like a balcony. Yeah, it's right. If you open my I lived in a, a cool uh, spot on College Street. Yeah. Like, right in Little Italy. And uh, that was, like, when I moved in, that was 
outside of my room. So I'm like, I'm going to go out here all the time. And I did, I used that for everything. So, uh, but we ended up shooting that video up there with, um, with uh, a guy named Corey and his company tour bus, uh, entertainment. So he's who takes like, like all those cool pictures of, okay. of everyone in it, like the whole Instagram, basically their pictures, but so yeah. who put the video out then? You guys put it out yourselves? Because it, like I saw that it said like Mason Jar Session. So I wasn't yeah. sure if it was like affiliated with somebody or. That's his, his company. Okay. So that's, uh, so he's a, he's an awesome photographer, videographer. Uh, he's in the country world in Canada. Um, great guy. Uh, he kind of just always supported us. Um, and he did that on us because he liked the band and it was really cool. It gave us a good little platform. Mm-hmm. Um, the it, sound was really good on that too, man. Like yeah. really good. Yeah, no, I love Kentucky Rolls. I was like, again, another baby. Mm-hmm. We were kind of let down uh, just by like, like how it kind of ended up. But at the end of the day, like it put me here. It put me in C4. It just brought great opportunities, like not how I originally intended them. However, you know, you got to. Yeah, you got to roll with the punches, right? It, it's a good, it was a good stepping stone. And if it got you to where you got a steady gig now and you can afford to live down there and be comfortable, then, you know, great. It, it, it served its purpose, right? Even if it didn't go anywhere that you may have thought you wanted it to yeah. go or whatever, at least it served some purpose that gave you a bit of a jump, right? Yeah, 100%. I'm very skeptical about bringing, like, we had a couple of people, like, like trying to help the band. And um, I, it's hard to trust certain people, you know, and um, again, I've done this for a long time and I've been screwed more times than I can count. Um, so like, I'm always kind of weary about who's entering the, like the circle. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again, like you have people in the band who just are desperate to make it work and they'll just kind of like take some bad advice. And I was very against that. So I was kind of like leading that pack, but I don't know. I just, just pissed people off just because I was wasn't taking some opportunities. I feel and I don't know. It was just kind of it was weird. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But it made it out of nothing and it did pretty good. Yeah. You know, I think our first show ever was Boots and Hearts main stage. That's crazy. It was super cool. <laughs> that is super cool to call that your first show is pretty impressive. It was a battle of the bands. It was uh, the Boots and Hearts battle of the bands or whatever, and that the winner wins the record deal with Universal. And we just came out like just cocky little assholes. Just like, well, not even cocky little assholes. Just like all of us have been doing this forever. And there was a like, there was a huge like, uh, uh, catwalk off this like giant stage. You know, we all are on like wireless, and we like, like right when we started, we all like went right on the catwalk, just like <laughs> cocky little guy. But we're not like, it was yeah, just, it's just part of the performance. Yeah. And in our review was like. You know, they were overly confident on that. Oh. On that, I can't say that. You want to put together a package. We're giving you a put together package. Yeah. Of people who have done this for long enough. You know, anyways. So and if you hadn't, like, if you hadn't have been that way, they would have said, well, they were, they looked uncomfortable on stage. You could tell they right? were new to it. For sure. So that was weird. That was all politics. Like, you know, Universal, I think, pre-picks the band or the artist who they're going to sign and then. That artist wins, which I is what feel like a lot of that stuff is like that, man. They already oh, have an idea in their head of who oh, they want, is. you know, they were all, so they were all already chosen. Yeah. So I've seen, but, uh, I've seen yeah. you play with that band. Like when you guys were doing some of the live stuff and like, there's some yeah. videos on YouTube, of you guys doing radio, um, you know, pr- promo type stuff. You're playing like mm-hmm. bass in the band, but also guitar. I've seen you play guitar. I've seen you play banjo, right? Like a little bit. Yeah. 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 I did banjo on the, on the yeah. rooftop. 
So what else are you like? What else do you play? Are you like you like clearly you're a multi instrumentalist now, so that you play enough stuff. But do you play piano or drums or anything like that too? So it's funny. Um, I was teaching in Oakville for a bit um, on the side, and I was like, I taught myself, so I'm not like schooled in the slightest little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially when I started, like I didn't know anything about music. I didn't know what like an A was or like a mm-hmm. D. I didn't know. I just this was the note, yep, and then I yep. became a, and I became a hired guy. So I had to basically relearn how to like relearn how to play the bass or like, like any instrument because I didn't want to look like an idiot in mm-hmm. rehearsal with these pros. You know, so basically I had to reteach myself, which in my opinion was a lot harder. Uh, so oh, I had to sure. like, learn all the notes, learn like I guess in like a little bit of theory, obviously. Yep. Um, so I played. So I started playing guitar. Reason why I played the bass is because my buddy was teaching me guitar was better than me. And we were, we wanted to be Blink-182, so we were a three-piece, couldn't have two guitar players in the band. Yeah. So I picked the bass, and literally, I just eventually fell in love with it. Uh, but I've always been a bass player. I'll only hire myself out for bass. Um, I play guitar a little bit. I play drum. I can play drums. I can play some keys. But if I don't practice it, I lose it. Right. Yeah. Especially keyboards. Like, I was teaching a little bit in Oakville, and these people would come in, like, hey, can you teach piano to my kid? I'm like, no, but I did it, and I did learn sure. on YouTube, and then like literally taught that to the kid, and you know, and that's kind of how I I bullshitted my way through that. Hey, but man. like drums too, like like I could I can keep a beat. Like I also ended up teaching drums, but like I'm not a drummer. Yeah. But anyways, you know, like I can do it, but I wouldn't call myself any of those things. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's something to be said for that. I mean, if you're like you're teaching yourself to teach someone else. You're still teaching that person. I mean, yeah, you, they, sure. the parents could also go on YouTube and look it up, but they didn't. They want someone else to do it, right? So there's no shame in that at all. Like, just yeah, and literally, go ahead. I got that. I got that teaching gig just because, uh, like, I was a hired player and I played for like people on the radio. Yeah, yeah. And, and this school could like whore it out. Sure. And like, you can learn from this guy, and it just because it was, like, it was Oakville, so it's all these like like rich. Like moms, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's like bragging rights, you know. It's Absolutely, like, and and again, there is no here, shame in that. That is oh, that is a, a credit, you know, that you've got. The, it was smart. Absolutely, yeah. But I mean, like, that. like, I was um, saying, yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, it's it's a good move, you know. Yeah, no, it definitely worked. And uh, again, man, you roll the punches, you know. Like it was work at the time, and you got to stay alive and eat. Absolutely, you know. So what? Yeah. Um, speaking of instruments. Um, what, like, do you have much of a, of a collection down there? Like, what do you, what do you have in your, I know you've got a couple of bases for sure. A nice couple of vintage ones that I've seen. Yeah. So I use the vintage one. So I have, so this one's my 1979 uh, actually. Um, yeah, 1979, uh, Fender P. Nice. Um, this is my baby. This is my, I've seen you use that one a lot. Yeah, I play this one a lot. I just got this 1974, Uh, which is super hard to play (laughs) fretless is yeah that's scary it's uh it's it sounds amazing but it's like a guessing stick so uh, i'm trying to record with it right now and yeah i need a lot more time with it (laughs) like it's an intonation thing right yeah like even if you roll your finger the slightest little bit you're out of tune yeah and then i have the five string for when i need it oh nice unfortunately often uh, all P bass, all, all P bases. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, and then I have a Tele guitar that 
Oh, nice. Yeah. I sold my good telly when I was in Toronto to move here. Yeah. And I was like, I'll rebuy a good telly when I, uh, when I have enough money to do it. Then I got a Mexican. Yeah. But it's fine. It's fine. I'll get the American. I get the American one again one day. Those Mexicans are so good though, man. Like I have a, oh, couple, yeah, I have a I couple of Mexican ones and I, like I have a, yeah. a Strat, a Telly and yeah. now a P-Base, all Mexican. And man, they're, they're all great. They feel I great. love that guitar. And like, I would have no idea unless it said it. I figured you were exactly. a guitar guy. But you'd be like, oh, that's Mexican. I would have had no idea. <laughs> I, you can, I can't tell, but looking at them, you know. I like, can't tell either, man. Like I'm like, I'm so amazed by people who can like call out the year just by like the color of the neck. and Yeah, yeah. I I love the I love my vintage peas though I think they're amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. They sound great. Like even recording, like every producer, everyone, like everyone compliments this this black beauty. But yeah. I love it. Yeah. So she feels this is my probably my favorite thing I own in in my life. I like that P bass sound too. Like when I was shopping, because like I'm not a bass player, but I wanted a bass, and then I I bought a Squire short scale thing just to just to mess around on a little Bronco bass it's called. And yeah. that was fun. But then when I wanted a, a full scale, I tried the jazz and I tried the P bass, the P bass felt better. But then the more audio samples I heard, like on YouTube, the P bass just has a different sound that I like way better than the jazz bass. You know? So, so I grew up, well, I always had jazz basses cause I like, I love the jazz bass. And then I always had active basses. Yep. Um, but you need a battery and uh, I don't have any of those anymore. Cause I hated it. Such a pain. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's pain in the ass. Like literally, like the P bass is good because there's only two knobs, volume and tone. Yep. And it's so easy for anybody to dial in, and it works for so many different genres. So many. So, yeah. So, so as a recording, as a recording, like I guess engineer, engineers love a P bass. You know, uh, I had the Ernie Ball back in the day. Mm-hmm. I kind of want Ernie Ball again. I just remember that I would lose all the, like, like all. Like on my high strings, I lose all the low end. Oh, really? And it, wouldn't, it wouldn't cut through. Mm. That's what I hated the most about my Ernie Ball. So that's why I went to Fender, obviously. But um, yeah. I just love the vintage piece. And, you know, they appreciate over time. And that oh, is shit, like, yeah. like, you know, I could turn around and sell these for major profit. I'm not going to, but I, I could. And like in a hundred or in like 60 years, not a hundred years, I hope I'm not alive in a hundred years. But, uh, <laughs> and like, when I'm old and gray, like if they're still like, they're only going to go up in price. That's right. You know? So, um, so I love that. I'm a guitars in general are a good investment right now. You know, like yeah. vintage ones, especially, but like I've been keeping an eye on all the stuff I own. Nothing I've bought has lost really any value. They did dip for a while. And then it was like, ah, oh, if I sold it now, I'm going to lose three or 400 bucks. Now I'm just going to break even on whatever I sell. If I decide to sell yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So like, yeah, no, I wouldn't want to get rid of these. I'll hang them up in my house eventually yeah. one day, but, there works about it. And that's why my old lady, like I, I feel like she, she doesn't ever cut me off. Like lately she walked into the, to the room and she looked around. She's like, no more guitars. And I, was like, I was like, fair enough. One in one out. Now, if I'm going to get a new one, it's going to go. But there you hang them up. Most of my, not most, but a lot of my stuff is hung on the walls. My last balls and stuff. They're, they're beautiful. They're nice to look I at. Really, you know? I love looking at mine. I know. I just got a cool little like uh, guitar boat and it, I can't move this laptop unfortunately, but, yeah. uh, like it folds up into a guitar case, opens yep. up, and, and then you can, like, yeah. So, so, so now it looks pretty sweet, but um, yeah, I love it. Nice them to there. have them out because I had a lot of stuff in cases for a while, and then you're like, you want to play something, but it's in a case, you got to dig it out of the closet. Like, yeah. fuck that. I like to have it all out, like displayed, and then you can just pick up whatever one you feel like, you know. 100%. I also have to use a Moog key base sometimes for some artists, so it's a it's like a mini, like, mm-hmm. 
That's like, uh, you know, key bass, like synth bass. Yeah. But what's up with that? Why do they want that? So it's just an electronic uh, bass tone. So it's like, you know, those like really round 808, yeah. I guess, bass tones. Yeah. So like, a lot, so Madeline, I use it a lot in Madeline's band. Okay. Uh, she has some like electronic stuff. And so I'll do it in like a chorus or sometimes I'll, I'll play both at the same time uh, to get that like real instrument and then yeah. guess, electric instrument. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's pretty cool. But uh, it's definitely harder. Again, I'm not really a keyboard player very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keyboard is a weird one for me too. Like, I've, that's one the, instrument I've never wrapped my head around. You know, piano. The shape, well, it's just all the shapes change, so it makes it more. Mm-hmm. So, yes, guitar or or bass, where like you can do the, you can do this shape in every key, right? And like on a keyboard, where you can't unless yeah. you hit the button. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what uh, what do you listen to for music these days? You still into like all over the place? Like, I'm I'm sort of that way. You mentioned that earlier. Like when you were a kid, you listened to everything, and I'm. Yeah. The exact same way. I've always been like that. I can listen to anything. If it's good music, I can listen to it and not be ashamed of it, you know? Yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, like, obviously playing a bunch of different genres of music definitely helps that. Like, playing in a wedding band helped, helped that tremendously. Like, I, like, every genre I'm into, I'm good at playing every genre now, like, because of the wedding band, I guess, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but I think that's definitely shaped what I like nowadays. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I mean, I like a lot of pop. I'm not going to lie. I like, I have like a catchy chorus. Like yep. I'm a, I'm a hook bitch, you know? So like melodies and hooks, I was never really lyrical, you know? So it was always melodies to me. Yep. Um, now I'm more lyrical, I guess, just because I'm here and where mm-hmm. I am, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, I listen to, honestly, man, like, let's, let me see my Spotify. I listen to, like, this is going to be a guilty pleasure, but I'm not going to lie. I think the new Bieber stuff, pretty amazing yeah well I mean, there's um, something to be said he's not that huge for no reason you know oh yeah no um but yeah man like 1975 i love like uh john mayer i love um you know like i like I'm trying to see it all john mayer's not a guilty pleasure he's got to be one of the best guitar players oh, of our generation I, for I, so funny story so uh back to summer hollow so my first time in california uh, it was the night of the Grammys, and um, we had this really weird investor guy take us out to a bar at the Four Seasons Beverly Hills. And we get there. This is my first time in California. This, this guy rolls up in a Lamborghini, which is super cool. <laughs> uh, his name is Wolf. You know, so uh, again, I'm 18. So like, I'm not even allowed drinking in America at this time, you know? So anyways, uh, we are at a bar at the at the Beverly Hill in Beverly Hills, and... Um, I'm given Baca Red Bulls for the first time ever. I never had Baca Red Bulls and they're delicious. And this investor guy is like, he's like, Hey man, I take it easy on those. Cause they're going to really hit you. <laughs> I'm like, nah, good. Anyways. So next thing you know, I'm in the parking lot of the, of the four seasons puking everywhere. <laughs> and then all of a sudden John Mayer and Kate Hudson come up oh, to the hotel. Shit. And as he goes, Kent, he was like, he's like, John, you know, because everyone knew. I didn't even really know John Mayer at this time. Uh, I knew my, like, my mom liked him and my sister liked him. So I ended up getting them uh, his autograph. Oh, nice. But he was so cool, man. He was, he wanted to like hang out and party with us. He invited us to drink with him and everything. No and everything. shit. Like, he was super cool, man. And that, like, again, I didn't even know who John Mayer was at this time. So yeah, uh, I love John Mayer now. Like, I'm a giant John Mayer fan. But, He's a great player, yeah. man. I've always, like, I remember. Nice the, guy. Yeah, and that's what everyone says. 
He's funny, man. I love watching his stuff. Do you yeah, listen to uh podcast much at all? So I've watched his, his like, uh, what's it called? It's like an Instagram thing. It's like an Instagram show that he has. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. He talks to other artists on that one, right? That's like his, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was on a guy's podcast. There's a guy, Dean Del Rey, this comedian out of the States. And, um, he was on his podcast and like, just amazing. You, you can tell he's a, he's a personable, friendly guy just yeah. from that interview. You know? He's funny and he's super smart. Super smart. Yeah. I remember I, was, uh, I listened to like this interview with, uh, I think it was Katy Perry. I love Katy Perry also. Yeah, me too, actually. She's great. Uh, and they were obviously married and she was like, literally, I would wake up every day and he'd be doing like a crossword first thing in the morning and he would be like quizzing me in the morning and he, she, he, she's like, I can't handle this. And she's like, you're too <laughs> smart. Just like, stop, you know? And I thought that was funny. But uh, yeah, he's apparently just like a genius. Yeah. And, no doubt, like he's so damn good. Katy Perry was another one too. That like back back when she first broke, right? Like she had had hits, but nobody had really nobody up here had heard them really, right? Yeah. It was more of like a states thing. And then when she had like when I kissed a girl came out and she broke huge, like I started diving deep into her back catalog and realizing that she's a real artist, not a manufactured like it's really good. Oh, yeah. for sure, yeah. Yeah, I think they all are, man. I think if you get that big, you have to be. You know, like like everyone says that pop artists are manufactured or they can't really do it. They can do it. Yeah. You have to be able to do it. Otherwise, like it's one of, people are stupid. Yeah, <laughs> some well, people. I, mean, I think I mean, not listeners of this podcast, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I know. No, I mean, it's like just no one, no one really knows. Like they are really good. Like Bieber, he's really, really, really good. He's you know, talented like, for sure. People hate him and yeah. that's fine. You can hate him, but like you can't discredit the fact that he he's really good and that's why yeah. he is where he is. Yeah. Katy Perry, same thing. Like like Lady Gaga, she's phenomenal. Oh, yeah, you know? that's one that's in another class. Like she 100%. is oh amazing. You know? But like Katy Perry was like, she's up there, man. She like she can sing. She's had her her battles, like like trying to make it as a girl, like you know, yep. like that's hard. Yeah. And she had a weird like upbringing, like she kind of grew up a little bit religious and then had to kind of yeah. break away from that. And like, there's, there's a story there. I mean, she was, she had a great interview on Stern years ago that really opened my eyes to the kind of person she is. But then she kind of got like, I don't know if the fame got to her or what, but she's just so such a different person now I feel than she was back then, you know, whereas think, like, and I won't lie, like I don't listen to any of those artists. Like I won't, I'm not going to put them on in my car and drive down the road, but I can recognize that they are amazing artists, yeah, you know, talented. Sure. Yeah. That's all you need to do, you know. Like no one's asking. Like you don't got to be a fan. Just like yeah. you don't got to trash it. Yeah, exactly. I don't trash anyone, even artists I don't like. I'm just like I don't like it. But I'm not gonna say it sucks. Cause yeah, you need you need a at least a small level of talent to be doing this. You of know? course. Like, yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna get eaten up and spit out so fast. I got into a fucking argument with a friend of mine. Not a good friend of mine, but like sort of like a, a guy that was a peripheral friend through friends, right? <laughs> one time about bare naked ladies and how like I was saying like listen I don't I'm not gonna fucking say I put on their CD and jam out to it you know what I mean but they are artists and they are good at their fucking instruments way better than we are that's why they're where they are you know and he could he was like nope they fucking suck they're bullshit they're like lucky to be with there and I'm like you're fucked man like you don't understand music at all and I'm not even wanting to talk to you anymore you know I know it it, it gets me heated me too um, me too like I love how everyone has an opinion. That's definitely great. Everyone has their own musical taste, but I don't know. You can't just discredit someone like that. I don't no, think. No, you can't. You really can't. And it's the reason why they're there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because sure. they're really good, you know? Yeah. But, um, what's next on, like, what's on the horizon? Like, I know it's kind of weird with COVID, but like, what do you, have you got stuff on the horizon? You said that Seaforth is releasing stuff on the 10th, right? They so got that, a new single coming out on the 10th. Well, it's already out. So it's been on Spotify for, I think, a month and a half, maybe now. Um, so okay. that has, I think 10 million streams. Now the, la- now the label is like, okay, we'll put it to radio because it's doing well. Oh, gotcha. So, so now that goes to US Radio May 10th. Um, and what's that one are, called? It's called Breakups. Breakups. Yeah. So it's, uh, if you go on Spotify, I'm I, bet sure. you, I think I've heard it. I just don't know it by name, but I was like, yeah. I've been listening to some of the stuff earlier. Yeah. So that's one. And then I recently just did a gig. So like, things are coming back. Like, I recently just did a gig. It's a funny one, actually. I did a gig with, uh, a guy named Mitch Malloy. So I did this last week in Florida. I didn't know who Mitch Malloy was. Uh, but anyways, it turns out that he he replaced uh, uh, Sammy Hagar and Ben Halen for a minute. Oh, wow. And now he's uh, the lead singer of the band Great White. So I don't know if you know yeah. Great White. Oh, yeah, absolutely, I of course. I, I didn't know Great White. I don't know how I didn't know Great White, but I didn't know Great White. I don't like know them. Like like I, if you played a song for me, like if they if you played their hit, I might recognize a hit, but I wouldn't know that it's Great White. I just know that Great White was this huge band and they have had hits. And I'm sure if you said, hey, do you know this song? I would know it. I just don't yeah. know it by name. Once bitten, twice shy is a big one. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, uh, so, so I had that gig last week. Uh, he was super... Uh, cool guy, but again, like rock and roll, like completely rock and roll. We played all Van Halen, mm-hmm. White, and then his solo stuff. So that was like, again, like a totally different genre, totally different gig experience. Um, so that's fun. Um, so I'm thinking I'm going to have a couple more stuff uh, coming up with him. Uh, break, or I mean, breakups going to radio is obviously going to be a good thing. That'll, oh yeah, that'll kick up some gigs, I think. Um, Madeline, whenever she comes out. I guess with new music or whatever her label is going to put her out. I know they're working on the whole visa process with us as well. Um, but again, man, I'm just recording for this producer in Canada now, just doing a couple EPs for him. Um, I got into the stock market, so I'm trying to learn about stocks and be a big boy. Um, but uh, other than that, man, I'm just, I, I go day by day. Just living? I just try to make money any way I can every day. When's <laughs> just, your... When, when's your wedding supposed to take place? Are you guys going to wait till after all this shit's over and sort of, yeah. yeah. So, so another thing we've been doing is obviously that. So, uh, so we got engaged on new year's. Um, I, I was that guy. I did the new year's thing. And mm-hmm. then and so we're going to do, we're looking at September 24th of next year. Okay. So That's once good. everything all, once everything's all settled down and Canadians can come obviously here. Yeah, just, for sure. Yeah, they can't right now. And I want everyone feeling safe, obviously. So, um, we're in no rush, but, um, we're looking to do it September 24th of next year and uh, nice. happily ever after. Yeah. Well, she's a gorgeous girl, man. Congratulations. Yeah. I, I I know I said that to you over Instagram, but I kind of wanted to make sure I said it to you in person. Oh, <laughs> she's very cool and um, I'm lucky to have met her. So, <laughs> And you yeah. kind of got this sort of, like you said, an, an expedited uh, relationship. You know what I mean? Because you got to... <laughs> no. Well, I'm going to get her free health care, so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I wanted to go back to because I forgot to ask you about it earlier. We were talking about um, uh, Kentucky Rails. Is you guys recorded like you said at at Southern Ground? Yeah. What was that environment like? That place because every time I see it on like I've seen tons of YouTube stuff. One of my favorite bands, uh, Blackberry Smoke, um, put out an EP from where they did sort of a live off the floor thing from there yeah. and some video along with it. They they really wanted to shoot it for the video and ended up 
sounding so good, fuck, of course, you know, where it was recorded, they put it out audio too uh, as an EP. So it just seems like such a cool place to record to me. Did you have, did you guys find that was the experience there? It was awesome. Uh, what was weird that we didn't really understand right away, I totally understand now, is um, like the session guys played the songs, which was very hard. Uh, it was a hard pill to swallow. But my first time recording in Nashville, it was like, you understand, like, after you see all these people come in and lay down the song in like, like, 10 minutes you hear it one time they chart it out while talking to everybody i don't even know how they're hearing the song and then they go in and they give you two takes like one option for each and then they're gone and i'm just like that was amazing That's however crazy but I, like i told you everyone's an alien here like like our producer brad stella he's also a bass player he's like he's like i don't i don't play bass on anything just because he's like i'm good enough to but like these guys they, they're just next level and they're they on, just like, nail it they nail it the first time they go from session to session all day long and they're all union and it's wild, man. Uh, other than that, it was really cool. Zach obviously sang. Um, there was, there was a keg downstairs, which was really cool. And there was, a, uh, there's a kitchen mama. So, the, so her name is kitchen mama. Mm-hmm. And uh, she works at the studio and she like, like makes everyone meals and brings them to you. And <laughs> super cool. man. Like, That's awesome. 100%, 100% super cool. And then um, like uh, Zach Brown's band and then, all came in and we were hanging for a bit, which was also very cool. Uh, it was just a, it was a cool experience uh, that we were kind of brought into, and they were like recording our songs and uh, like complimenting our songs. So it was cool for that. Uh, obviously, we wish I wish I played on it, but I'm not gonna lie. Like like everything that that guy wrote was way better than I would have played. So and I'm I have no problem saying that, and I mean that 100. percent Yeah, that's what made yeah. me okay with it. You know, even the guitar players are like, I get it, man. It's you know, still, still got to be weird, though, to sit there and watch somebody record your songs. Like, it's like, hey, I wrote that, but you're going to play it on my on my record? Like, that's weird. I know, man. That's how it works here. Yeah. And they use I that weird, like, numbers, that Nashville number system, so they know how everything, they almost can predict the next chord without even knowing, you know? Only numbers here. Yeah. So I, I prefer notes. But, uh, yeah, it's numbers here. It's like hit the five, hit the two, you know, and, like, I know it enough now in case like if someone is like hit five, you know, like, yeah, yeah. All know, but like I must prefer like get a C, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, of course. But that makes sense. That's, right. That's it easier for me. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just the numbers of the scale, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's definitely a different experience, man. It was really cool. I don't regret that at all. Like I yeah. like how it turned out. Um, unfortunately nothing got used, but recently, um, um, one of the songs might be coming back and being cut by somebody. Oh, really? Which would be, which would be amazing if it actually happened. I, I'm not going to say it. Who? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't want to like and, put it out there and then it doesn't happen. It will never happen. Yeah. Just uh, because that's just how it is. Yeah. Uh, but I like that it might be given some life again. That would be amazing. It was a good song. That was the one that everyone wanted. But, uh, we only had one of them. So, um, so hopefully that comes out one day and a big person is singing it because that would be that would be such, amazing. That would, that would be the best thing that's ever happened anyway. So yeah. that would that like you guys would get royalties off of that then if they record it and play it. That's awesome. Yeah. So and then if it goes number one, that's like that's awesome. Yeah. So for sure, I, that would be amazing for you guys. You know what I mean? That's a, that's that's making it in my book. Like I always said that when I was a kid. If I could just write one song, you know, that everybody liked, I'd be happy. I just want a plaque on the wall. I've never yeah. had a plaque. My lifelong goal was to have like a gold record or like just any just any like. 
any plaque that just looks cool. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. that's been a goal. a goal of mine forever. So, so hopefully that happens, or hopefully like even a breakups, like uh, if that goes high on the charts, then I'm sure we'll all get something. Hopefully, but um, yeah, that's so. At the end of the day, man, you just, you just gotta keep going, and literally, you never know what's gonna come. You know, if something comes, like you just gotta adapt and figure it out and fucking well, give it up. Well, that's amazing, man. Like, honestly, like your career is, is really intriguing to me. I'm going to continue to follow it. Cause like I said, it's, you're, you're living like one of my all time dreams of living in, living in the States, touring, you know, doing all that stuff. So I wish you all the success in the world. I think this is probably a good place to end it. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we cut her off here? Mm, no, I like, I feel like I blew through some things and I hope that everything I said kind of makes sense. I know that chronologically it might be a little complicated, but, uh, I think it made sense. I mean, I was able to follow it. Like I said, I knew nothing about your journey down there and I was yeah. able to follow it. So I, I think the listeners will have no problem at all. And listen, there's nothing to say we can never do another part too. Brad and Mike have been on twice. You know, I'd yeah. be happy to have you back anytime you want. If you, if you have, if you find some success doing something different or if you have new music coming out, I'd love to have you back, man. We can chat again. I like talking to people. And like I said, it's like hometown, hometown people. I, I love talking to you guys for sure. You know what sucks? I never was. I never really played with Brad. I always wanted to play with Brad. Brad was cool too. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. What was cool is uh, one of the one of those random jobs I had in between touring. I worked at Winners, and he was my boss. <laughs> He's always been that sort was, of a retail guy in the background. Was, eh? Yeah, that was interesting. I'm like, wow, Brad. Brad, <laughs> my boss. <laughs> that was funny. But uh, yeah. Other than that, like I always wanted to play with Brad. He's yeah. a big guy. Always an incredible musician, man. Me too. I, I was kind of hoping they were looking when I heard they were doing new music, I was kind of hoping to see if they were looking for a guitar player. But they, you know, obviously they're working with Dave Featherstone, who is um, you know, one of Brad's good friends, works the same place he does at his studio. So, you know, that makes sense. But like I've always thought what an amazing opportunity would be to to get to play some shows with with those fellas, right? Including Brad, because they're amazing musicians and I'm a huge they fan. They really of them. are. This is how like other they're just brothers and you know they're yeah. just cool dudes good people and absolutely yeah, i still talk to mike a lot he's hiding out in mexico but not to mike a bunch what amazing yeah what an amazing opportunity that was for him too to get down there for a, half a year to spend basically yeah. half a year down there you know yeah well we really appreciate you like actually caring like at least i i know they do i definitely do because i've never really like no one wants to hear me <laughs> like again i said it earlier just no one wants to hear me tell my story but uh because it's long and i don't think i've ever really like explained it yeah like out loud so uh it was it was fun for me too because um it brought me down memory lane so thank you i i really appreciate you having me and, oh uh, no problem at all man anytime you want to come back like i said just just give me the nod and we'll we'll set something up and we'll record again because um, the uh you know like i said your story like y you need a long form conversation to tell it you know you need mm -hmm. a, you need a place whereas if you try to just sit down with someone and, and they have to hear it out of context when you're at like a bar or something, it's kind of makes, it's tough to tell because it's long, but in I, always, I always said, I wanted to write a book. Yeah. Uh, if like, if like anything ever happened where like I became like, absolutely. Um, yeah. At this point, uh, it's not going to happen. However, I would make it anonymous now, <laughs> but like, I would love like, man, there's a lot of stories. And you never I, know, man. One day, like like you said, you got Seaforth's coming out with music on the radio. If somebody records that tune that you're talking about and it gets big, there's a book there for sure, man. That would be cool. But yeah. I couldn't say it over here just in case my mom or my fiance's parents are listening. Yeah. So I'm just <laughs> But uh, no, man, again, I really appreciate it. And it's good to see your face. I haven't seen it in a really Absolutely. Long time. Absolutely, man. I, I, I like, you know, it was a great talking to you. And I, and I, like I said, I want to do it again. Maybe if I'm ever down in Nashville, you know, I'll give you a buzz and we can 
link up for a drink or something. So tell everyone where they can find your uh, like your your stuff, your Instagram. Like, what's the best way to? Um, so yeah, I, it's just I am Justin DeGraff. Uh, that's basically it for everything. So I am JustinDeGraff.com. Uh, Instagrams I am Justin DeGraff. The I A M. Well, my weird. My last name's weird. It's A A F. Everyone always gets the last name wrong. Yeah. So it's E E G R A A F. So yeah. uh, I don't expect anyone to get it right. So um, <laughs> it's quite fine. Yeah. But uh, so that's, that's it. Um, I don't use Twitter. It's I am Justin DeGraff on Instagram and my website. Awesome. Okay, man. Listen, don't go away just yet. I'm gonna. I want to do a quick little wrap up, and then I'll say a proper goodbye to you. Um, all right, everyone. That's it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I Got Asked podcast. Returning listeners, I love you guys. Keep coming back. Um, I see the engagements. It's giving me lots of motivation to keep doing this. I'm trying to put this out once every two weeks now for the next little while here. So uh, keep tuning back in. Uh, if you're a new listener, thank you for being with us. Um, you know, any any of those uh, likes and shares you guys can provide to me is uh, is incredible. So please do that. Um, so that's it, guys. That's episode, I believe, 15. I think is t- today's episode is 15. And um, we'll see you on the next one, I suppose. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care.